Hey everyone, Karu here uh, with a content warning for this episode of Waypoints. Uh, we discuss um, suicide and suicidal ideation throughout the entire episode. Uh, there were one too many mentions of it for us to pinpoint any specific timestamps, but um, just so you all know, just so you're aware, uh, we do revisit the topic many times throughout the entire episode. Apart from that, hope you all enjoy the episode. Bye. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's good, Internet? It is Thursday, July 25th, and that means it is time once again for We Here at Waypoint to nerd out and deep dive on the culture, art, and entertainment that has been inspiring and provoking us lately. <laughs> Today, we are picking up our coverage of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, we are covering episodes 22 through 24, which is what we meant to hit last time uh, before some technical difficulties got in the way. I'm your host, Austin Walker. Joining me today in the room in Brooklyn, Ricardo Contreras, Cotto. Hey. Hey. Hi. Uh, Danielle Riendo, also in Brooklyn, just not in the room. Yes. Hi, hello. Uh, Patrick Klepik, who is going through notes and trying to remember these episodes, I think. Like technical difficulties. Also, we sat and went, okay, we've only done two episodes. It's been two hours. Austin is technically on vacation. What would, if we even took a conservative estimate on where we're going with this yeah. arc? You know what the technical difficulty is? Our time, our our, our, our like mental health. Yeah, <laughs> I like this whole experience. The technical difficulties gave me gave me reason to sit back and think about a chance. Actually, I'll get into this. I'll uh-huh. get into this in a second. Rob also here. Rob, how are you feeling this morning? I know you were drinking some tea before. Yeah, now I'm on the hot cocoa. Heat waves over. <laughs> cloudy gray day. Lots of rain. You it's were drinking great. tea a second ago. How are you on to hot cocoa? Well, uh, so when we were when we were first getting set up, I was like, "It's gonna be a long podcast." So I made coffee, <laughs> tea, hot cocoa, and now I've got a tall glass of water. <laughs> Great. So what I was and gonna by say, the, and by the end, an old fashioned. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah it'll, it'll be cocktail hour by the time we, we're done. Um, what I was gonna say is that you know, on that note, actually, that that technical difficulty was useful in, in a lot of ways. One, because it, it gave me back some time that I actually desperately needed to work on my remarks, my opening, my opening talk uh, for this this uh, games and labor panel I was on. <laughs> so last so week. that you didn't just go like, you know what? I have no notes prepared except. Who yeah. wants to hear about the 23rd episode, episode of, of Evangelion? Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, like immediately. There's a la- labor. Uh-huh. Uh, they, they're, work, they're, they're working mm, on robots. Okay. It. You could have found they, a way. They're working. Been o- they need a union. We've been over that. 
Uh, it's absolutely an immaterial labor, you know, market. It's definitely like, uh, like, uh, the knowledge economy is nerf. <laughs> like they are absolutely a software style startup company. Like, definitely a startup. Absolutely a They're startup. A startup. 100%. Yeah. That, that, that Zalik uh, council is just a bunch of VC investors. A hundred percent. Um, so, there's an infantilizing I, like narrative of oh it's the first children the second children uh huh we're just oh it's these, just these damn millennials that <laughs> we are sort of pressing into uh, executing our plans yep, they're angel totally. investors hmm, literally angel you, investors good. thank you absolutely right if we did weird <laughs> names for the podcast of... that would be it <laughs> that's true bank that one um, yeah. it'd be in college. Uh, one time, uh, I think it was during uh, 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 like St. Patrick's Day, and so I woke up and had drinks with friends extremely early, and then had a class. In one of those classes, I forgot I had like a quiz, um, and in that because this is this is one of those classes that like you would drop a whole letter grade if you didn't sh- like miss a certain amount of attendance, and so yeah. just had to be there, just had to be there, just you know get through it and just you know move on to the next thing. Forgot that we had to write an essay about something that day, you know, in oh, hand, you know, no, no type on a computer. Um, and I don't I don't remember what the class even was like. A, it was like a not a memorable class at all. It was just one of those like checkbox, like need this to graduate. Mm-hmm. But it was historical something, something, something. I definitely remember I had to write something about South America and didn't have didn't read up on it all. But I had been listening to a lot of Prince lately. And so uh, I wrote um. I wrote a essay that it attempted to oh my God. like creatively flourish, like tying like socioeconomic policy of like whatever we were studying at that time oh. to the like sexual revolution that Prince was proposing in his music and how this ties into like different ways, like <laughs> just some just some bullshit. Wow. And uh, wrote the like five pages or whatever that I had to like fill. And just just supreme confidence when I turned it in was like, you have to read this. Yeah. And like <laughs> Out of my hands, got it back like a week later. It was so like I either one of two things was going to happen. <laughs> Someone thought it was funny and still gave me a terrible grade. Right. But at least acknowledged like yeah. in a stack of papers where you just want your like freshmen are just bullshitting their way through. <laughs> at least someone had gave them like a chuckle. Oh, the yeah. other is like, oh, a stern talking to in which like, why are you wasting my effing time? Like it's also <laughs> yeah, which, like a distinct yeah. possibility. Uh-huh. <laughs> which also would be true. Also would be true. Yes. Um, Either one, that, a fair response. I've given both responses. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so uh, I, 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 got, I got the former in which I, I got it back. It said, it said C minus. It said like completely missed the point, did not make a credible argument, but was highly entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And so like, uh, nailed it. God. Yep. That's. Yeah. Fantastic. I usually I have it that. in a box somewhere. <laughs> like I, Put it, th- in a it frame, exists. I think. You know? Yeah. Frame it's beautiful. it. Um, so what I was going to say is the technical difficulties last Sorry. week also <laughs> let me re uh, let, let us both let us all talk about the format of the show and the way the leaning on recaps. Uh, so we're going to be a little less recap heavy today. These are such dense episodes that I suspect it will be hard for us to not zoom in again and again and again on things. Um, uh, but I've done my best to try to wrap my head around the episodes in ways where I can speak more broadly, and if we want to zoom in and get more context, we can do that. The other half of this is, I haven't watched these episodes in a week. Danielle, I know you've done some repeat <laughs> viewings, but I don't know that anyone else has had time to. 
Um, three and, and four, so, respectively. Okay. Uh, times. Three and four times. Th- yes, for each of these episodes. Three Incredible. or four times. Gotcha. I've watched each one of these gotcha. at this point in life. Um, still still iffy on some details. But that's yes. useful though still because that way if we're skipping big <laughs> things and trying to be a little a little slim down, uh you can you can help us out there. Um I also just want to say in general it it's like I'm I'm so happy we're doing this together. I also desperately wish we were doing the begun rewatch it version where we were doing two or three episodes per episode instead of five or six. Or at least because, like at least at this point, right? Yeah, like it seems yeah. I think it's works pretty well up to this point, but yeah. I have a Deep suspicion based on innuendo from the internet that, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What, just, what is I, to come next week, especially, is like, boy, you could just talk for a long time about individual uh, episodes. Yeah, I, I mostly wish I had the time to do research. Like, that's my biggest thing is like, I wish I had the same, I wish I was putting in the same amount of time per podcast episode, but for less episodes of the show because there's stuff that's like in the right. periphery of my memory that I don't quite recall but that that I would be able to find if I did some research ahead of these. Uh, Kato and I were just talking before we came in. Yeah. In the last episode we talked about um, uh, uh, what, what is uh, Na, uh, Nako? Noko. Noko. Her death which I described as being to the set to a gunshot but some people wrote in or, or wrote in the forms and were like oh actually we are pretty sure that she, uh, she she jumped, but then I talked to Kato about it, and there's yeah. another theory which I hadn't heard. Right. Uh, well, because it the sound there at that cut does sound very much like a gunshot. Yeah. There is yeah. a theory that that is Gendo killing her, and then he fakes oh. the suicide, which is wild. Which, and like, right? That's a dumb it, theory. It's also but possible like, that she shoots herself worst, on the edge and why falls. Would he, right? Why would he shoot her? That is what What's I the motivation? Because he walks in while she's strangling Ray. Right, yeah. Right. And yeah. he's like, oh, damn, I better do something about this. But that falls <laughs> apart because you don't shoot somebody from range and then be like, I bet I can cover this up by making it look like they were shot by a gun in the back of the head from eight feet away and then kill themselves by jumping off their magi computer I don't into know. the so, pit below. That's a, that's an absurd. In an earlier like, episode, you, Seal says that Gendo's the best at covering shit up anyway. So like, who knows what sort of shit he did or did not? I mean, do, the organization's but, yeah. a joke. <laughs> yes, that's totally. true. Yeah. Like, it's a really impressive organization, but also it's complete bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, my point is these are the conversations I wish we could be having uh, uh, with every episode because I think every episode does have that sort of those sorts of moments um, where where you could very much like start to pick apart stuff or dig into other other influences or dig into other versions of the way they've told the story uh, <laughs> in other media. And we'll get into some of that today, I think, with, with a couple of characters. Um yeah. All right. We should we should actually kind of jump into this because if we don't, uh, we will never get through it. Today we are starting with episode twenty two, staying human in the Netflix release in the original Japanese, at least be human, or in the old uh, dub, don't be. Um, <laughs> Damn. Great. A range of interpretations. A range. <laughs> totally. Staying human. At least be human. Don't be. <laughs> Love it. Great. Um, yep. This is an episode all about Asuka's uh, childhood and and t- current trauma, the ways in which the traumas of her childhood have carried forward, the ways in which she has tried to deal with those traumas, uh, and the ways in which 
both the structure of Nerf and also I said Nerf that time. Not we even can't nerf. do that now. <laughs> yes. Nerf, uh, nerf and uh, and the 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 latest angel to arrive um, kind of play upon those traumas, uh, force her to confront those traumas in unhealthy and very sh- painful ways. Uh, and um, it's a it's a it's a rough one to watch. I think I think that like oh, yeah. what she goes through here, both as a child, but then especially with the confrontation with the angel, is like hard watching because of how deeply I care about this character. Um, which is a I think it's it's pretty effective. I, we'll we'll talk about like the the broader stuff later, but but like I think just to get into it a little bit, we should set up. Um, actually, the show doesn't start all the way back in time. It starts actually just before Asuka's arrival with her and Kaji on the uh, aircraft carrier coming in, laying out on a on a beach towel. Um, uh, she is she reads to me as playing drunk. I think that she's like just drinking some sodas. Yeah. Um, but like, ah, uh, yeah, just drink, just drinking some brews with my bro Kaji, <laughs> who I'm in love with, um, because oh. which is uh, I guess like now thinking back on it. I think a lot of her backstory gives you some direction for why she is so infatuated with Kaji. Um, and in this scene, yeah. she voices her infatuation uh, very vocally uh, at one point kind of rolling on top of him and uh, uh, kind of ripping the top buttons off her shirt to insist that she is a grown woman uh, and that his protestations <clears throat> are unnecessary because she is not a child. Um, and as much as he says she is, she insists that, you know, she is, she is effectively a grown up. Uh, and then we get a flashback. We get a sudden flash from that immediately to, uh, you know, images of her past and then a decapitated doll that seems to be covered in blood. Uh, and then this great intro title screen, no cruel angels thesis, uh, just a colorless version of the title screen. Danielle, you had something? Yeah, just very briefly, uh, the line that she uses there with Kaji, at least in the in the sub, is yep. look at me, which is yeah. a thing that she will say continually. It is going to be a theme that is going to continue throughout this this whole thing. But it is like really important to note that like she's saying, look at me specifically also, is the central dilemma for her is do I re- should people receive validation from themselves or from the outside world and her struggle to accept. It's so interesting to me because like what she does in, in her whole, whole arc has been insist that she does not need external approval, that she validates herself mm-hmm. by her own strength, by her own uh, willpower. And like this episode gives you context for why she does that. But at the same time, she has always been attention seeking. She does think that the world should um, that she is so great, why wouldn't the world look at me? Why wouldn't the world uh, praise me? And as that praise starts to diminish and as that praise goes elsewhere, she's forced to confront the fact that she cares about external validation, which is not a, a, by itself a purely unhealthy thing necessarily, um, but is is in this case this like – the wor- it's the worst timing to have a breakdown about this uh, where yeah. she's incredibly vulnerable and where there is – she does not have access to the support structures she would need. Rob, I know you were also interested in this in this scene. What, what, what were your thoughts here? No, I think it's yet again a reminder of how they botched the introduction of, of Kaji. Um, <laughs> the, the, this entire moment on the flight deck as he – like – because now we know this this character this is this is sort of him embarking on his final mission, mm-hmm. right? Like he knows that the next day he's going to set in motion a dangerous mission that probably doesn't end well for him, and like the way the uh, radio masts off the conning tower 
resemble like a forest of like crucifixes and just again like sort of the like this is to a degree like Kaji's like Gethsemane moment where like from here he like in the context of what we know about how his arc is going to end uh, his sort of far away look is indicative of the way in which everything that he's about to do is kind of ultimately self-sacrificing, which would be really cool if they'd been building that from yeah. the start, as opposed to introducing him as your shitty horny ex who's just on the <laughs> make all the time. Because if you're retconning this, we're like, oh, he like he knew this was his final mission, right? Or like, or was likely going to be. And it was also going to uh, bring him back in contact with Masato. Again, there's a really cool arc for this character. There's a really cool way you can tell that story. You know, the super spy uh, t- does the one last job that he knows is going to destroy him. And it's like they're trying to do a do-over yeah. on <laughs> that entire carrier sequence. And like... Well, it's like they discovered the character like late. Like they are like, oh shit, yeah. we already did this. But here's like a different version of this character we could have done, and like sticking the landing at the end. The hope being this is the version of the character that like You'll stays remember. in your mind because yeah. yeah. you're just going to go forward. That, that was successful, I think, for a lot of <laughs> Not people. Not calling out, it. being yeah. like, yeah, right, right, yeah, totally, exactly. Like, all right, peace. <laughs> yeah, he starts to play. His carrier takes off. He's like, just so you know, I totally got with that. <laughs> I mean, you know, again, I don't know, like, I'm not familiar with, like, the production process of anime relative to, like, television and film production, but as someone that, like, pays really close attention to, like, like shows have gotten really into, like, shows like Lost and stuff like that. I was following the production and how those how those shows were made as it went along and was constantly surprised at actually how reactionary uh, shows can be and, like, change midstream in ways that you think they probably planned that. No, they didn't. But the, the construction <laughs> of an anime is different than a, a television show, and so it's unclear to me how much of this is just haphazard writing that is figuring it out or like was mid-production like did this air and like the the show was over like do these things like continue to be worked on as they're airing like I I I wonder how much like that stuff actually plays into um you know alternative ways that the story could go as it goes along so I think one thing worth noting directly is that it is it is uh pretty common knowledge among the fandom that the the shift in tone reflects in the show in general reflects a very literal progress and and shift in uh, Hideki Anno uh, and his own understanding of his depression. Uh, Anno makes the show um, in a fairly deep in a state of fairly deep depression, um, which which has been written about a lot. Uh, and the in the middle of the production, he becomes deeper and deeper, much more interested in psychoanalysis, uh, in Jung and in Freud. These are things he knew at like a uh, surface level, or he, there's a, these are people he knew at a surface level. Uh, because if you go back to one of his uh, previous shows, uh, I believe it's in Gunbuster. Yeah, it is Gunbuster. There's absolutely a character named Young Freud, uh, J U N G. What? Like as if as if it were a uh, a professor. Oh, not Killa. like a rapper. Not like, yeah, a professor killer, aka Young, Young Freud. Freud. 
um, which actually I think may have been a Professor Killer, aka now that I think about it. Um, so he like was aware of the world of psychoanalysis in the like, oh, yeah, I took a I took a course on psychoanalysis and cultural theory in college. But it's then, like us reading a Wikipedia page and then being like, and then someone asks you a follow up and you're like, yes. uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so then like, in, I can carry I can carry a conversation at this party, but if someone was to actually want to talk about this, well, we're in trouble here. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I believe the, the saying go or like the story as it goes is that in the middle of production, uh, yeah, from episode 16 forward, he began reading books about human psychology and became very interested. Quote, he wanted to explore what the human mind, uh, what the human mind is all about inside. I wrote about myself. My friend lent me a book on psychological illness that gave me a shock as if I finally found what I needed to say. And this is from uh, that quote is was to an episode or from a, a magazine from um, an, an issue of the magazine New Type. Uh, and I'm reading from a ancient and a truly ancient uh, 15 year old web page called In the Eyes of Hideki. Wow. Uh, the Hide- Internet Sorry. Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah, I said Hideki before. It's, it's Hideaki. I knew that. Hideaki Ano, uh, writer and director of of Evangelion by Lawrence Ang. Um, so yeah, so we, it is it is popular knowledge that the show does change, right? That like in the production mm. process, Ano goes through this shift and begins to incorporate more and more focus on psychoanalytic framework. Brings in more Freud, brings in more Young. The Freudian stuff is like extremely clear, and I think some of it is clearly there from the jump. If you go back to those early episodes, or at least was retroactively brought into the, to the stuff that that was there. But I wouldn't be surprised if along the line, th- that team is like, "Oh shit, mm, we need Kaji to be this other thing," <laughs> and and shifted the character right and. Which is why, like, that fit that fits, like, I remember, you know, I think in the last episode, I was saying, like, like Kaji is constantly through the show, like, been less of a character as much as just, like, a character arc that yeah. they use and, like, wield. And then, like, they, they land on something where, yeah, I guess I'm not surprised, like, Austin, you know, to the fandom better than us, that, like, that's the, like, the the the, the feeling that was left about that character. Yeah. Like, wow, like, that character really went through a lot. And, like, the where he landed scene. was, like, really interesting. And then when we've done this, like, close rewatch where it's just, like, you feel incredibly gross for him for like a good half of the show before they give him any sort of like material to meaningfully work with. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes under, it, it, you know, I'm sure some people find production stuff like less interesting, but like I always find that has to be fascinating because it's revealing it's, yeah. these works aren't static even while they're being made yeah. and the people making them are not static as they're being made. And that messiness is often reflected in a work in a way that doesn't usually get talked about. Like it's usually just like the the thing is the thing, and that's just not usually the case. And actually, they're much more reactionary and fluid um, than than we know on the surface. I've been churning this stuff around in my mind a lot lately because uh, one because. Uh, I'm someone who does a lot of storytelling uh, with friends at the table, and that is literally a week by week. Uh, like, yes, seven months ago, the story was in a different direction, and you've heard week by week as we've made new changes. Uh, last year, we put out a show called Twilight Mirage that like was really weird and ambitious, and where we ended up is not where we thought we would be. And so like a lot of sympathy for that happening in production. Uh, but the other thing is, I think I've been thinking a lot lately about the ways in which this stuff gets under my skin and the ways in the times at which it doesn't. So take, I think a lot about mobile suit Gundam, the original mobile suit Gundam and two things that bug me about that show. I love that show. One of my favorite shows of all time, but two things that bug me about it, uh, are one that every episode has a fight. Um, 
mm-hmm. in it, which is, and also that there was like an amalgam, like a, not an amalgamation. There was a there was a a, a myriad of new throw-off, one-time-only enemy weapons to fight, super robots to fight, uh, because they're trying to sell <clears throat> toys, right? Like, that, all of that is, right. they're trying to sell toys. And there's also a, a handful of characters who stay in the show who are, like, little children, who there's not really a, there's sort of a reason for why they're there. They kind of figure out a way for why there are these three little kids on the spaceship. Um, but, <laughs> but really the reason is it's a kid's show. That's the reason they're there is someone above was like, it's a kid's show. Make sure there's lots of little kids in it. Um, and obviously, I think the show actually has important things to say about teenagers being sent to war and like the ways in which young young people are formed and blah, 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 blah. But like these three characters are comic relief children and they're there because it's a cartoon for children. And those things bugged me as, as, fan, as a fan of that show, but they slide off my back at the same time. It's like if I could remove them, I would remove them. I would love there to be more Gundam episodes where, where Amuro doesn't have to get in the robot and can just kind of just like be a, a, a tone piece the way Ava is able to do. Um, but I contrast that with something like Kaji, where I know why the production reason for that shift. I like we talked about what the potential production reason is for that shift. Um, I know what the realities of production were when it came to Ano and his and his own depression, and yet that stuff doesn't slide so easily away from me. And I don't know if that's because I'm so close to it because we're doing this close deep reading right now. If because the topic mm-hmm. matter is so much more. Um, problematic or so much more intense. Like the the Kaji sexual well, assault I, I, scene I think is so rough that it's so hard for me to like hand wave and be like, well, then they figured out who the character was after that. No, so I I I I think you could make an argument that um, part of I know you know again you know I only have a, a, a sort of a, a thousand foot understanding of this, but seems to have been like fairly open about his influences. How much of this series reflects? him, what he was going through, what he was putting into the work. And so it's not, I don't think it's all together that shocking in which a work in which you can transparently see the person yeah. on the page, in which they talk about how they put themselves into the work. Now that is true of all works, right? Like you cannot separate art from artists, but it is it is rarer to have someone discuss that so openly. And so the moment you open that box, and it, it is true that like there are, is variation work and how much it is like directly one-to-one what someone is saying or what they are trying to say, but like it seems like pretty clear that like this show, this series was reflective of certain attitudes, thinkings, feelings the person Anna was yeah. at the time even if you can't draw one-to-ones on everything, but as a result of his openness his transparency about his own creative process and his uh, the personal investment of the work I, I think it's pretty natural then to be like, well, if you're taking ownership of that <laughs> Then, as a result of that, this stuff that doesn't work, that's, like, really fucked up and weird and, like, unsettling, is on your shoulders in a way that we don't necessarily press on to a random show or work in which we can distribute, like, or hand wave away, like, oh, a thousand people are involved in that process. And that's still true in in Evangelion to to just by the sheer uh, nature of production. But because he puts himself front and center, thus, I think, he burdens himself with more the responsibility of the problems of the show for better and for worse, right? Like I think it's a I think it's a more interesting work because we can talk about it in that way. And we, we you know, with something Waypoint has advocated for a long time is like for creators to speak about, you know, where they find themselves in their work because they aren't just products. They exist in a consumer's culture. Um that's the reason they're able to get made. Yeah. But like it's a lot fuzzier than than that. It's a lot messier than that. And so I think the messiness is like part of the appeal. And I think it allows people to both hand wave it and also feel uh, 
like a, 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 a bigger sense of burden over trying to unpack it and what it means because you can see the creator's face just so starkly in the work itself. This is going to be a yeah. lot to, to we should return to when we finish the series. End of Ava is in some ways <laughs> yeah. a very direct response to this question of who owns Evangelion. I, I just – yeah. Someone spoiled a f- the framing of – I'm not going to okay. say anything more. All right. Don't worry I, about it. I'm bummed, I'm bummed that I know more than I should. Not in oh. a spoilery sense of like story, yeah, yeah, but yeah. in a specific framing that I bet you are alluding yes. to yes, um, is the same thing. Yeah. I am so I, curious to see I, how I other mean, people the, react the, to it. The, one of the broader things to understand too is just like Ava is a, is a cultural monolith to some degree in the sense of yeah. like you can buy – there are ads of Gendo shaving his face with Ava Schick branded razors. What? There are Ava cars. <laughs> there are Ava drinks. There are Ava like the the characters were so beloved because of the way I we we'll have to get into this at the end. We have to. We'll but have Gendo to do, didn't even shave properly. He has I a know. fucking shit well, strap. Maybe he had the, the only Schick character the they Gillette. talked about shaving was Kaji, uh-huh. who needed to who shave because the shave. scraggly bullshit that's wasn't true. working. That's true. So that actually <laughs> is something that's. We are, Someone did mention that to me. He was like, hey, when you're done watching the show, yeah. just go look up all the merchandising that was yes. associated with Evangelion and try to separate that from the themes of the show and what it's saying and then just watch yourself just melt into a pool of confused consumerism. <laughs> a pool of LCL. Yeah, yeah, you'll turn into the orange. You'll turn into the tang. All right. Um, so, uh, good pivot. This How is did- the next thing, Austin. Yeah? Just the... Did you? I I initially got confused yeah. when they cut to the backstory on Asuka. Yes. About oh, her mother killed herself. It's so tragic. Like they are basic. Like they're kind of making her a mirror of uh, Risiko's story. Like, uh, that is at first. I was like, where are we in time? That is. Right. Oh, really? You were totally thrown off in terms of the timing. Yeah, I mean, you like. I was like, okay, uh, that's definitely like. Asuka right there, but at the yeah. same time, I mean, like, the you, story did is... Did y'all catch the mirrored shot from this episode? Um, there's the shot of Asuka in the bathroom trying to give herself oh. uh, a talk, basically. Uh, one second, let me find my note on it. Um, Asuka complains about her period uh, to the mirror later right. on in this episode. Uh, that is literally shot for shot, the same as an earlier episode where Ritsuko is in, in the bathroom giving herself a pep talk, looking at herself in the mirror. I want to say it's the Jet Alone episode or it's somewhere around that that like early early first seven or eight episodes. Um, so, yeah, I think that's totally intentional. The the cycle continues, Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang. Um, and it's the saga continues, but <laughs> yeah. sorry. Um, the, but, like, yes, I mean, that is, that is if you read Ava as cynical, which uh, there is good reason to, um, I think this is p- part of the heart of that cynicism, is that it can feel cyclical, but even worse, it can feel like, there are times at which it wants to frame certain types of um, misery as innate, as like inescapable. You can hold it off for some times, but it's not just a cycle repeating. Sometimes it feels so much more inescapable than that. It feels like in the hearts of these people, in the hearts of humanity, because in the, going forward where we end up talking about big picture, what does humanity exist as? What is humanity versus what are angels? What are their innate qualities? And so you end up being like, whoa, it's not even just like, yes, nerve has perpetrated this cycle of abuse on women. It's that in the heart of humanity is this, is this abuse, is this cycle of abuse and suffering and misery. Um, anyway, 
yes, Rob. There, there was a degree of like weird timiness, uh, like uh, uh, where everything is kind of thrown in, into disarray because we we end up jumping kind of back and forth between certain times, even inside of just the flashback moment. Um, we learn that, uh, like you said, Oscar's mother um, uh, uh, died by suicide, um, and that. It was it was after quote a total mental breakdown uh, caused by quote the contact experiment, which is a phrase we've heard once before uh, in relation maybe twice before at this point. Mm. Mm. We've definitely heard it in relation to the the Antarctica yeah. uh, expedition to the the mm. second impact that was caused by by a contact experiment also. Um, so good job not causing another second impact, <laughs> a third impact perhaps. <laughs> um, uh, but then we kind of like jump back in time from there even further because then we get her in the hospital. Uh, we see that her mother is uh, delusional who thinks she thinks that Asuka is the, a doll that she has. Um, and we also learn that there are no good dads in this show as Asuka's father yep. immediately begins to flirt with and have an affair with uh, one of the nurses at the hospital. Um uh, after having some like really shitty philosophical, theological, like, d- d- do we look like dolls look like people? Weird. D- maybe we're like dolls. The guy God is made doing us... pickup artist shit yeah, it's in the fucking ward. Yeah. While his wife As is. As his wife yeah, is it's, delusional and suffering. Yeah. It's, it's and suffering his daughter really needs bad. attention. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, uh, we then see Asuka at her mother's grave, which I'm only noting because her mother's name is uh, Soryu Langley Zeppelin, which is a sick name. <laughs> good, good name. Um, and this is where all through all of this stuff, we end up getting Asuka's kind of new or, or, or her, her core like drive, which is she doesn't need to cry because she's going to think for herself. She's going to act for herself. She's going to be self-sustaining. She's going to be self-motivated. Um, but in 2015, it turns out all of that self-motivation has left her sink rates very low uh, to the point where Ritsuko and uh, uh, Maya are talking about how how um, we should focus on Ray uh, and Unit Zero instead of Unit Two because of how limited their resources are at this moment. Um, and uh, there's some other conversation kind of throughout this segment around how like Asuka might not even be able to launch soon. That's how low the sink rate is. Like it's just not working. Um, there is kind of a weird. <laughs> they're low on resources, but also there's a scene here where Misato. Um, after kind of talking about like the weird bind we're all in, does talk about how the budget is up and how they're like pulling from resources internationally and they're producing the, fi- the financial situation in this show is just like yeah, why even bother talking about it? Just don't, just don't reference because like it, at this point, it's clearly not going to give us any like meaningful grasp of like how like just randomly other countries are making mm-hmm. Ava's and we don't really know how that like fits in or the, the why's the why nots like there there are lines that like allude to world building but I, I I guess they must feel at some point like yeah we should probably like it's it's convenient narratively to have resource strapping right like mm-hmm. it's, it's understandable why you would want that but then it just sort of like throws it out the door when it feels convenient because why is this exact moment more you know, did they pass a law so they could, you know, right. like get more fun? I, you know, like it just, I will I say see that, that stuff and it goes like one ear and out the other because it's like, okay, we whatever. will come back to the idea of international 
forces working on this greater project uh, towards the end of the series in a way that's like okay. That's like useful to just useful to know production facilities exist. People are working on shit. Sure. Um, but yeah, but you're also right. A hundred percent. Sorry, I'm scrolling back up here. Oscar at this point is is continuing to kind of spiral down. She notices at one point after Kaji doesn't pick up the phone because of Kaji's situation. Uh, she also notices <laughs> Ray. Situation. And, the, the situation. The Kaji situation. Yeah. yeah. My uh, new uh, uh, ABC sitcom. Yeah. God, don't give Kaji a sitcom. Um, on another platform, she sees it. She, she calls him at the train station. But on another platform, she sees Ray and Shinji. Um, and she's just like seething, watching them kind of just be in the periphery with each other. They're not like talking and laughing and being good friends. They're just kind of like being near each other and not being in in immense visual pain. And that is enough for her to be like just furious, um, seething over <laughs> the fact that he beat her. Uh, it's again, really hard to see some of some of her in this pain. Um, uh, this yeah. uh, comes home with her. Uh, there's a great moment where Pen Pen is like, this awkward family dinner is too much for me. I'm going to fucking walk away. Oh. <laughs> Y'all figure your shit out. Um, uh, and the, this is where... Uh, if the, I may. Please. Oh, I was just going to say, it, at this point, uh, the sort of cute family home stuff is become like just a reservoir, just like a, 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 a beautiful, tiny little drink of water in a horrifying desert of emotional trauma. Yeah. And it was... <laughs> Like, at first in the show, I was just like, what the fuck is this? Like, where is this coming from? It's fine. But th at this point, it's like, oh, please, give me more Pen Pen. Yeah. What's Pen Pen up to? It's sort of, but, like, I think in this scene, it's it's not, though, anymore. Like, yeah. I think previously it fulfilled that role of, okay, now we go back to the fun domestic drama. That begins to die once it becomes clear the school isn't really a school. Mm -hmm. And, like, Toji's just been sort of kept on ice in case you need to crack open a new... Uh, Ava pilot on short oh. notice, but uh, here we've got the domestic drama, but at this point, yeah, Wait, the family's sitting in dead silence. They're no, gone they are after not all gone this yet. episode. They're after, think, this, right? after this episode. Yeah, leaves, after yes. the events of the yeah. end of this so, episode, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's after this. Um, uh, in the middle of this also conversation, fair, yeah. I'm with you, Rob. I think I think like for me, it's like, ah, yes, this is why we had all the dom the domesticity earlier was to set up the kind of inverted horror here where like the one safe place, the safe space, the, the, the safe home has been invaded, you know, by by the dramas. Of well, the and Masato outside. is now keeping totally really bad things in her head. Like yes. she now knows like, oh, that like, yeah, you're actually not going to get through yes. to Kachi's phone, kid. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in the middle of this dinner, uh, Asuka gets a phone call, um, and it turns out to be from her stepmom in Germany. Um, Shinji is the one who answers it after Asuka taunts him about it because she's just really, truly going through it right now. Um, Rob, you liked this conversation, or you're interested in this conversation. What were what were your thoughts here on this long conversation that ends with Asuka, Shinji being like, I wish I had a family to call and talk to, even if they weren't people I cared about, because I love I love the idea of family. This is just such a great Asuka moment uh, because the gear shifts she goes through here are so radical. And also it's sort of 
it's it's this weird combination of the way she can entirely and like perfectly mask how she's really feeling and her complete incapacity of doing that, right? Like there's this weird thing where on the one hand she's great at pretending, on the other hand she also wears her heart like all the way on her sleeve. Yeah. And so she goes for the, she can't stop needling Shinji. It's become like a compulsion at this point. Yeah. But then, oh, it's it's my family. And at this point we now know whatever there is with that family there's some weird baggage around that. But then you hear her, and I love this. She turns around. You do not see her face. So all you've got is her intonation. Mm-hmm. And it's a completely cheerful, like you don't understand the words. You just hear the tone of voice. Uh, the entire conversation's happening in, uh, you know, in, in German, in the, at least in the, uh, you know, in, in the dub. It is, it is all like, Met left sort of incomprehensible, but it's a very cheery, like sounds like anyone talking to a parent they have a good relationship with and sort of, you know, joking around, catching up. And Shinji, I think standing in for, you know, how this, how this reads to us, he also has that reaction of, man, it must be great having a family. That's awesome. Like (laughs) way to go, Asuka. That's, that's cool that. Yeah, You know, you have a good relationship with your family and it must be really great that they call you and check in on you. And immediately her sort of pretense drops away, but she forgets that she's pissed at Shinji. Yeah. And so then she levels with him and has like this moment of like honesty and frankness that we don't see too often from her. And then she remembers that, wait, no, I'm furious at you. And I just like there is we learn so much about Asuka and who she has been. And where she is at right now in this one sequence that I think it's some of the best characterization we've seen in the series to date. And it's all done pretty effortlessly in a really like dense sequence, which doesn't bog us down with a whole lot of exposition, but tells us everything we we could want to know about this character. Yeah, it's uh, go ahead, Danielle. Okay, no, I was just going to say, it, it is like a really wonderful and real moment in an episode where we're really peeling back the layers of Asuka here and really peeling back the layers of both her trauma and how she's built herself up. And this is like that very rare slipping of the mask uh, that is just pitch perfect, like really, well, like, really good staging, really, really good framing as well in this. Part of the, the realization here is that in the same way that she is wearing a mask to talk to her mother, you you have to start to wonder, is the needling Shinji and Rei also a defensive mask, right? Like, yes, yeah. there is. it is emerging directly from jealousy and envy uh, and, and this trauma, but the deeper trauma is the thing that she has to reckon with, which is the, the question of where her, where, where her sense of self comes from. And that is the thing that by, by projecting onto other people, by saying, no, the real problem is that Shinji beat me, uh, instead of saying, no, the real problem is that because of this trauma in my past, I have failed to uh, uh, create a self who can withstand competition in this way, like is uh, it, it's a safety mechanism to prevent that that second layer. Um, and so in that case, like the, the other half of this that I think is fascinating is Shinji failing to read that from her, that Shinji is deceived. <laughs> multiple times in a sense not deceived deceived makes it sound like it's malicious and i don't think there's that much forethought in the way that asuka is handling herself right now but shinji yeah. shinji cannot it's so fascinating it feels like shinji thinks 
in this moment that all the needling is 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 a you know uh, is a play on her part that he isn't that bothered by it at this point in the show. She, she taunts him and he begins to read that as affection or as we've talked about like the attention that she gives before. And he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. She's going to, she's going to needle me. The best thing I can do is to like give her a compliment about her family right now, which means that he is actually not actually has not broken through to understand where she is at in this incredibly dark place or thinks that, oh yeah, she's in a bad place right now. I think the best thing I can do is be friendly and tell her, that it's cool to have a family, and I wish I had one, even if it was superficial. Um, uh, Oscar continues it to It feels decline. like a very 14-year-old thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right? They're all like, kids. They're extremely, all... like, young teens just misreading a very complex situation. Definitely. Um, Oscar continues to decline. Her sink rate drops. She has, a, she has a, a whole moment in the bathtub where she doesn't want to use the water that Shinji and Misato have used, which I think is fair. I wouldn't want to use used bath water either. It's also, I think it feels like it. Is that what they do? It feels, yeah. (laughs) I think it feels like it plays into that sort of because um, people, and we see we see this twice in this in in this series. uh, There's uh, um, you know communal bathing situations in Japan where this at first feels like maybe uh, you could hand wave it away as like, oh, she's a Westerner. That must be weird for them. But then, like, obviously, as as it continues on, like. It's obviously about more like different things. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, so it is not just the uh, right, well, yeah. right. But it's like it feels like it, it. It's they set it up to like be like Asuka is a Westerner again. This must be weird for her, but like right. it like comes back around in in like two episodes when we see Shinji in a similar situation mm-hmm. and devokes the LCL fluid. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. this idea that there is residue of the person that the at least the Ava pilots uh, in, encounter. Uh, and to a degree, like Shinji and Ray are like accepting of that and comfortable with it uh, in a weird way because they have that connection and there's that connection that they have with, with the Avas. And Asuka's outside of all that. Yeah. And here, like, and there are reasons for that, both in terms of like what the lore is for like where the Avas come from and how they work. But there's also reasons for this in terms of like the guard, the, the, the barriers she constructs and maintains against yeah. other people. And this, this idea of this kind of intimacy, even the idea of it uh, repels her. Um, she, she rejects the thought of it. And so like, I think it's, I don't think it's an accident that we go from this uh, complete rage out, in the bath in the bathroom to her cratering during another sink rate task. Yeah, uh, totally. you know we go from her contemplating one fluid uh, to the next. I also love this in her sink rate test. Uh, it's it's a harmonics test and. In the interface, uh, the sort of the the interface for it, the mode she is in is listed as fiery direct. <laughs> That's Asuka, fiery direct. <laughs> there she is. Love it. There she is. Um, uh, there's another Ritsuko Misato sparring match here where they both kind of just shout at each other about which one is living the worst life. Um, there is, uh, and then and then there is what is actually a pretty famous scene. Uh, we could we could sit on that Ritsuko stuff forever. Ritsuko Misato stuff. But let's move on to, to the famous elevator scene um, where it's yes. so. Asuka gets on board this elevator. Ray is already there. Asuka is leaning against a wall. Ray is staring at the door. Um, there is silence between them for a great number of seconds. Uh, there's briefly a moment where Asuka kind of sniffles or like has like a 
like a suppressed, angry, like utterance. It's not very clear what that is. Um, and then finally, Ray speaks and says that the, uh, the Ava won't do anything unless you open your heart to it. And Asuka says, they're just dolls. And Ray tells her that deep mm-hmm. down, she knows that Avas have hearts. Um, Asuka wants to know why. So is that different than a soul? No. Right. No, it's a soul. <laughs> she means a, in she Kingdom means Hearts, a soul. Yes, yeah, in but... Kingdom Hearts, yes. She means a soul. Um, she means a soul, but also colloquially, okay. these are people, right? That like, these are beings. Right, it, it, it means they are not not just a mechanized yes. beast with some flesh infused in. They are things that have, they think, they feel, to, to what extent, I guess we'll find out yeah. more about that, but that they are, they are more than just like inanimate husks that we have given. Right quote life to and not just automatons that you can order around but that ray is saying you have to open your heart to them um uh which again interesting given what we end up knowing about ray in the next few episodes um and her heart and her heart yeah totally (laughs) uh oscar wants to know why ray has started the conversation with her is it because she's happy that she can't pilot unit two uh, is it because she's worried? Because she doesn't need to be worried now that they have the invincible Shinji around. Um, uh, and Asuka finally kind of like is just like, I must be in the worst place if both you and uh, – if Shinji and the clockwork doll, referring to Rei, uh, are pitying her. Um, and we get to a pretty great exchange here, pretty a pretty – uh, angry exchange. Ray says, I'm not a doll. And Asuka says, I bet you'd kill yourself if Commander Akari told you to. To which Ray instantly says, yeah, yes, I would. Um, and Asuka growls and we cut to the exterior of the elevator and then we hear a slap and then the doors ding and Ray or the Asuka backs out, out of the elevator shouting that Ray is a doll and a puppet and that she hates Ray and everyone else. Um, and th- this scene I think is really, is really famous because it is like the heart of the Ray Asuka um, uh, divide. Uh, it is the two characters kind of giving voice to the way they see the world. Uh, and also it is such a clear, like a clear summation of what Asuka values in personhood. Um, and it is tough for me to unpack. Like, I don't think either of these characters is, um, you've such by the end of this set of episodes, you have such a good idea for as to why these characters are the way they are that it is hard to hold mm-hmm. anything in the scene against either of them. Um, but it's also hard to imagine a way for either of them to cross the divide that separates them. Right? That like I don't know how Asuka comes around and ever sees someone like Ray as anything but a doll uh, or anything but a a victim. Um, and the the thing that Asuka seems to hate the most in the world is victims um, and does not want to see herself as one, cannot think about the trauma that has been caused to her. Uh, and so, like, all she wants is is to look at Ray and say, like, this is – you are the thing I cannot let myself be. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think there's also a way to view in Asuka's frustration with Ray is Ray has accepted a circumstance – and made that a purpose. Yes. And then that gives her a guiding principle for her life and doesn't waver from that. And Asuka puts up an enormous front to mask the fact that she claims she has purpose and a guiding sort of principle, 
But like it's this episode in particular unravels that th- how much of a facade that really is, how how little she is actually keeping things together mm-hmm. and stable, and that the aggressive front is is just a mask for she doesn't actually know what she wants or like what would make her happy or like and that's that's most people right oh, yeah. like that's most of life is like trying to find like a guiding like light that like makes your life make sense that can give you purpose and and happiness and 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 trying to 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 figure that out and most of us don't ever find that and you just like find little ones along the way and you just try and pick it up and keep going and i can imagine it being frustrating to have a person that says like no i found it yeah it works for me and it actually answers all the questions that you have not managed to settle for yourself. And that may be f- like, that's under- also understandably frustrating because it was res- it- it- the logical result of that, the extension of that are ways that can be destructive to Ray as a character totally. from Asuka's perspective. But it is clear to Ray, she does not view that as destructive, or at least it is a necessary consequence that mitigates the larger existential crisis of what do I do and why do I do it? She has settled on something and she just keeps going forward. And like, that's understandably frustrating because these two characters represent uh, different relays of relating with like an eminently relatable problem. Right, right. The, the strategies that they deploy are are kind of opposed in, in real ways. Like Asuka has told herself she will solve everything by herself and has never then learned techniques for building a support structure around her. Um, uh Whereas right. Ray has, like you said, just been like, yes, I'm going to deal with the cards I was dealt. I'm going to turn those into who I am. And in fact, over the next few episodes, becomes has, – has also not – in some ways they're, they're very similar – has not learned what it is like – to build relationships with other people. And so it was kind of taken off guard when she realizes she has done that. Um, and so that ends up being, I think, another interesting angle. Danielle? Yeah, I don't yeah. think the, sh- the show doesn't, like, answer, uh, like, either of these being, like, the good... Yeah, sl- totally. and, I, and I would suspect the show is is uh, is at some point soon going to start, you know, yeah. finding ways to unravel Ray in ways that reveal, to, you know, the the ways that you need to be nimble and to create those other support structures in order to when the, the light in front of you goes out and what do you do from there? Sorry, Danielle, you were about oh, no, to say Oh, no, it's something. all good. Um, I was just very briefly that uh, I've, I've talked about my struggles with Asuka in the show, mm-hmm. that I really love a lot of things about her. I see a lot of myself as a younger person in her. By the by this point, even even without going further in the episode, even without the further traumas that she goes through, I, I was sort of like all the way Team Asuka uh, to the point where I was like, yeah, I completely understand this frustration. If you're a driven person, if you've done everything right, if you've done everything in your life to be the absolute best and you absolutely get all your validation from another person, the person who is absolutely just like seems to be born to do the thing that you're doing is the most frustrating thing in the world, and I can't imagine not having just pure rage and jealousy towards them. So I, I, at this point, I'm just all the way sympathizing with Asuka. Totally. Uh, again, even before like those further traumas happen. So I will say that if you're interested in in like the the ways that these two characters are creating selves and trying to 
uh, relate to the outside world. It's probably worth looking into the the topic of individuation in psychoanalytic theory. This the the ways in which um, I mean, like for Jung, it's the ways in which individuals come to define themselves as separate from a sort of collective whole. Um, uh, there's a very quick and dirty uh, uh, definition of it, um, <laughs> but I think you can you can start to unpack both Ray and Oscar in those terms pretty cleanly in terms of whether or not they've successfully done that. Uh, and then those are both that that is like a core thing going forward. Again, this notion of and it has been the whole show. How do you create a self who is, um, or should you create a self? Those are the what are the what are the benefits of selfhood? What are the costs of selfhood? Uh, what is preferable? Um, so again, thinking of that stuff going forward. Oscar lectures unit two, uh, <laughs> which is not opening your heart. I'm going to put it out there. If you go like you're a doll and you need to follow my orders, not opening your heart. Um, and before she can sink into her self-hate again, there is an alarm, and it is decisive battle time again, and a new angel has arrived, and it is staying in high Earth orbit. Uh, it is uh, RAL. It is a bright blue winged creature that is too far away to affect directly. Their weapons are not, it is not in range of their weapons. It has an AT field that is very powerful, um, and uh, they've decided to launch Ray to, to set up a sniper rifle and get ready to launch it, or get ready to fight it, but before they launch Ray... Asuka's like, no, I'm going, and launches herself under her own volition. Um, and we are told basically, like, if she fucks this up, she'll get grounded. That'll be it. And grounded in mm. the in the the Air Force sense, not grounded in the <laughs> sent to your room child sense. Right. So you know, in some ways, um, you know, eh. kind of both. Yes, <laughs> Unit Two has this like huge visor on and a giant sniper rifle, um, and Asuka is consumed by fear of being booted from the program. Uh, but before it comes into range, the Ariel, the the angel, projects this like heavenly ray of light from space that comes and delivers a a choir singing Hallelujah, which is uh, an effect that lasts with I us. I thought it was this... Ode to Joy. I thought it becomes no. Ode... That's later. That's, that's later. Episode. Ode to Joy is episode. Uh, that's the that's the final episode in the set. Yeah, in the Wait, set. Wait, really? Yeah, that's the core. Jesus, stuff. I'm yeah, 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 hundred <laughs> percent all messed up. Is, we we watched these episodes last week. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, I've written down here, it's some sort of psychological warfare beam. And then Ritsko confirms and says, the angel knows what's in the human heart, which given Asuka's current situation of her human heart is a very difficult one. Um, Asuka starts to lob some shots up as she suffers. None of them hit. Everything's really far away. She ends up blasting the city into pieces at one point. Uh, and then again, I think we get we just get a, a sequence that is is really painful to watch because Oscar is forced to confront uh, her trauma in a way that is sharp. This is not a careful exploration of her history. This is a, a being that has decided to pull all of, you know hit all of the tender spots, force her to confront the worst parts of her childhood, um, and it is delivered in such a way where what we get is lots of vocalized protestations from Asuka uh, that again just make it a really uncomfortable and painful scene. Um, that is, this is what I was getting at to, to some degree last ep last recording when I talked about the show writing really big checks. I think it's like, yeah, it asks the viewer a lot. It says, all right, suffer with this character. It, it, sit with 
someone in intense emotional pain, calling for their mother, um, calling for it to stop, begging not to be – not to have their mind be violated in this way um, is asking the viewer to suffer alongside and to empathize in a way that can lead to – I want I – want entertainment i want media i want storytelling to take big swings and to dig into trauma um but it's like all right if, if i'm gonna sit through this i want to come out the other side having felt something that shifts my understanding of the world in some way um or or in a way in which i feel fulfilled but by, by that i don't mean happy but i mean that i have i've taken something from the work that even if that is a a, a unique sense of sadness or something uh, and it's like all right well it has to del- it better deliver on that for me anyway in order to uh have asked me to go on this journey to begin with um uh and so like this is just like Really rough stuff. Um, the there's a moment. There's a really great little background detail here where like Misato looks at the, her psychographs, and it's just like spaghetti. It's like these these charts that have traditionally just kind of been like EKG meters type things are now just like a twirling of like weird lines and a wrapping, and it's, again very spaghetti like. Um, Misato orders her to fall back. She refuses, and Asuka says she would rather die. Um, meanwhile, Ray fires up a shot from her own position, but the, but the AT field blocks it. Um, and then finally we get the big flashback. We get more about what's happening here. Um, flashback plus dream sequence. We get a flashback that is like, um, like many of the flashbacks or like many of the kind of introspective moments from, from this set of, of episodes forward. It blends a lot of past moments with new dialogue. Um, and it's hard to tell if it is the event as it happened, the event as the character remembers it happening, the event shaded by current events, etc. So what we see is a sequence where uh, Asuka begs her mother to stay her mother. Um, she tells her mother that she, Asuka, is not a doll or isn't a doll. And I don't know here if she means I am not a doll, so don't physically treat me the way you treat a doll, or I am not the doll you are carrying around, or both. I think that there ends up being a sort of... Part of what emerges here is that there was almost a murder-suicide, uh, is my reading of, on this events, um, by which yeah. it becomes clear that, like... I mean, we don't. it doesn't become clear. It's very confused and meant to be very <laughs> confused and confusing. I think part of why Asuka has such sh- such a hard time dealing with it is because when her mother sees her as a doll or sees the doll as her, it means that it's harder for her to unwrap that violent impulse from her mother. Was that directed at her, Asuka the child? Was that directed at this doll, etc.? Um, um, we get... Uh, uh, this really interesting montage of Asuka being probed by this angel with this beam and then different voice actors from different characters in the show um, all repeat what she is saying. So it's like Asuka says, like, I'm Asuka Langley Soryu. And then uh, it's Asuka being like, you're an idiot. And then it's Asuka saying, my chance. And then it's Asuka from the beginning of the episode re- breaking the top buttons off um, and uh, revealing her cleavage and asking for attention. Um, and it goes through this montage of like, oh, now Misato's voice actor is saying it now, and it goes through multiple characters, and each time Asuka says, that isn't me. Um, uh, anything else on this? Anyone else want to weigh in on this? I, I guess oh, let's finish the, the this big montage of events before we, we zoom in a little bit. Um, we get her wandering through like a train yard at night is what that looked like to me, um, and 
passing by like all of these hooded figures. Um, Kaji, uh, like she's holding onto Kaji's arm, but he steps away and then moves to kind of protect Shinji. Um, uh, and then we get a billion images of Shinji, Asuka kissing him, running away from him, shouting that he won't help her. Um, and then we get a bunch of drawings of hers, presumably from when she was a kid, uh, around the events of her mother's death. Um, and then just, uh, I've written here more raw pain (laughs) as the child, her shouts to be looked at. Um, and then we get this, uh, one of a recurring sequence of events, the child version of Asuka approaching contemporary Asuka, um, and, asks if she's lonely and there's this really incredible moment of Asuka like disintegrating this child um, but it doesn't she doesn't totally disintegrate she in fact turns into this headly, headless monkey doll um, and then we get a, a kind of like wild montage of words uh, written on on white I think they're all in German um, but are translated in the in the dub if you don't have subtitles on is refusal, father, mother, lacking, anxiety, isolation, escape, contact. Um, and it's just it's real bad. Um, <laughs> in the entry plug, Asuka has completely yeah. broken down. She says she feels dirty and defiled um, and she calls for Kaji to help. But then unit two shuts down. Um, any thoughts on this whole sequence and how it's handled and, and what it's doing? here yeah danielle so uh, in the subtitled version she definitely uses the word rape we should probably put obviously a content warning for all of this stuff uh but she does say like stop raping my mind like she actually uses Uses that that term term. i don't know if it's different in the dub i actually didn't watch this one both ways uh this time but it's like extremely explicit that this is meant to be of sexual assault Mm -hmm. in some ways. Obviously it's also a psychic assault. It's all of these things kind of going on, but the fact that she uses the term rape, the fact that she says she feels defiled and dirty, the fact that she's probably supposed to be virginal, most likely. Mm -hmm. um, And, you know, doesn't really know what to do with her sexuality yet throughout the show. uh, And, you know, kind of throws herself at Kaji because she thinks he's hot and she wants to be an adult and all this other stuff, but doesn't really know how to, do that yet really 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 uh it it was hard to watch um my partner had a really hard time getting through this episode just sort of watching this it was like texting me like jesus christ you know like oh my god you know i thought like this show was like a little rough a couple of episodes ago but holy shit you know like it's really going down that path um i'm pretty sure this is supposed to be a pretty explicit read but i don't know if other people felt differently about this one or it was like no this is really kind of very 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 direct with what it's saying here yeah i definitely think so um and i i think that it is interesting um and probably i i would say it's i'm happy that this is a scene that is about her history and her trauma and it is not a scene that is sexualizing her as it's doing that um so, yeah. like, while a lot of the terminology used and a lot of her response evokes sexual assault, um, it is not – it is at least still fundamentally about her interiority and about her trauma and about, about her situation as a child and not – and, again, like you can make a psychoanalytical connections to all of this stuff. But, like, I think that the show would – a much worse show would have sexualized her directly in, in the doing 
um, which the camera has been yeah. willing to do before. So, uh, yes. so happy to say that that didn't happen here. Um, real quick, it's worth saying that this scene is like much different uh, in the original on-air version. Uh, the video hmm. version that eventually becomes the version that we see now, um, like a lot of this whole sequence is just not in the show. Um, the the note here from one of the websites uh, is that the only scene, the only scenes from this whole sequence that you that we see is the version of her one is a is a moment when she wonders why she's crying when li- when little, um, uh, but like we just don't see multiple. Like most of this whole sequence just isn't in the original on-air version of this episode, including some other stuff from before too. The seduction scene on the aircraft, not in this episode. The scene in the bathroom where Asuka says she hates everyone, including herself, not in this episode. The scene where Asuka sees Shinji talking to Ray on the on the uh, train uh, station, not in this episode. Um, Did they air the full fifty-one seconds in that elevator? Uh, (laughs) yes. That is okay. not different here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. That whole sequence wow. is totally the way it was. Um, so, you know, that's... That's wild. hmm Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, with that sequence behind us, uh, there is, like, all right, what the fuck do we do back at Nerve HQ? Um, uh, Shinji says, like, send me up there. I'm ready to go coach put me in and Gendo's like no <laughs> like we can't let you know do you remember what just happened that's not what he says he's never raised his voice he says unit one can't be compromised or something like that um and Shinji then says we can't pretty sure unit one is already compromised oh, honestly yeah. we're ch- it's yeah. a, this is a shifting definition of what um, <laughs> compromised means yeah. Evangelion yep. um uh Shinji insists they have to do something they can't leave Asuka like this um, and Gendo is like, very well, as if to disclaim the decision he, he's about to make and put it onto Shinji as if this wasn't already his goal from the fucking jump. <laughs> and so he tells Ray to go get the spear. Go get the spear of uh, Longinus. Just go get it. And Fuyutsuki is like, uh, can we not? Wait a second. Let's talk. Let's talk about this. Um, and Gendo says it is the only way to deal with an angel in satellite orbit and out of AT range. Um, uh, Misato, who I don't think... I don't think Masato should be talking about Adam being in the basement because she's not supposed to know that Adam's <laughs> in the basement. Um, yeah. Adam, quote unquote, uh, which we now know is not true. Uh, and says like, hey, if if um, Adam and, and Ava come into contact, won't that risk third impact? And Gendo's quiet. And then Misato's like, oh, wait, huh. I guess that means the third impact won't happen if, if an Ava goes down there. <laughs> And so that's a question mark for her. Um, she begins to wonder if this doesn't cause third impact, then what did cause second impact? Um, we get a long sequence of of Ray going to retrieve the the spear. Um, uh, Gendo says while this is happening that if uh, with the mass production of the Ava series, now is the only chance that they have to do the thing they're about to do. Um, one cannot turn back the clock, but one can move it forward, uh, which is a pretty dope line for like an evil person <laughs> to have. It, like that, that yep. is some Adrian Veidt Ozymandias shit. I'm here for it. Um, and so we get Unit Zero like wading through a sea of LCL, which I really love. There's like a battleship down there. 
apparently just in the basement uh, and, and goes to the body of quote unquote Adam. She removes the lance. Um, there's this great shot of the red or a red orb like sun in the background. Um, and as she pulls the spear, the bottom half of the crucified figure like heals and two full legs a- appear. But also the little legs still are there also just like lower and down near the knee yep. now. <laughs> um, unit zero got legs throws you know? the spear uh, like preps it like a javelin um, the two ends of the spear which were like bifurcated before kind of like wrap together forming like a sharp point throws it through uh, into space incredible incredible throw by the way just want to say what a powerful <laughs> throw that you can launch something into space into high earth orbit uh, it moves uh, through the, the angels AT field uh, it, it kind of opens up once it once it's there and like jet boosters push it through the AT field and then passes through the angel and destroys it. And then we see uh, we see it move into lunar orbit and we are told that it's unrecoverable, something that Zele will be very upset about in the <laughs> next episode. Um, Asuka survives, watches Unit 2 get lowered back into the base. Shinji approaches her and says that I'm glad you're OK. She tells him to fuck off, basically, and says that she's not OK. And she's very upset that a woman like Ray, a doll like Ray, um, uh, could be the one who could save us or be the one who saved her. She would have rather die than be saved by Ray. And she shouts that she hates everyone to death. And then the episode ends. Um, really a rough one for Oscar fans like us. Um, yep. it, is, it is heavy uh, and tough. It, it leaves her in a very bad place. Um, so we'll have to see how it comes back around. We should take a quick break before we continue on, uh, unless someone else has any other final thoughts on this whole episode before we move on. All right. We will be right back. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we are back with Evangelion episode 23, Tears. Now let's go back. (laughs) So the thing I think that bugs me about the entire state, like the entire thing that Asuka goes through, I was so deflated when you said that you think it's writing checks that it's not going to cash. Because when I saw this episode, I was like, I am so curious to see how all these themes are going to be resolved and like brought together. Because. Okay. The I just want to make sure that go ahead. Well, yeah, because in the moment, I think one of the things that bugged me in the entire sequence is that it's playing with a lot of, as you know, Danielle uh, pointed out, it's playing with like metaphors for sexual violence and assault, Absolutely. which is something the show has already like mishandled uh, to this point. It is. The show has a weird, it has a weird relationship with a lot 
of the women in in the show. Yep. And so much oh, yeah. of what is revealed in Asuka's backstory is this idea that, for instance, it's heavily implied there's like a postpartum depressive depression related like psychological break that maybe culminates, you know, as you said, like possibly in a threatened murder suicide. We get yeah. we hear Asuka sort of like pleading with her mother to to see her as her daughter and not the the doll she's fixating on but also there's the implication of, of did she survive a possible like murder attempt by her her mother um th- this ties into the way she's talked about she doesn't want she doesn't ever want to have kids and that yeah is sort of connected to the maternal traits that Shinji at least has projected onto Ray mm. and all these things. It's like really textually rich and yes. it suggests a lot of interesting things. But the thing that like made me uncomfortable with this episode is in terms of editing music, like the craft of what it's presenting, it's really exceptional, Yep, but it is playing with fire yeah. And the thing that made me really uncomfortable is well, you gotta pay off you get you have to sort of pay off on this stuff, yeah. right? Like there's there's now a landing. Like Asuka as a character is in mid midair. And has and she has been land. launched. Yeah, and has been launched yeah. in midair in, in a way that I think, like you said, is exceptional in the craft. I part of me is like we have to have this conversation next episode when we talk about the end of this show. Um, but, but I do, because I think there's a really broad, there's a lot of things we mean when we say, I hope this pays off or I hope it delivers. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hope it pays off, not offensively. Yes, right, well, exactly. No, and I mean this, and I, but I, I even, I even beyond the, the realm of offensiveness, right? Like even just in the realm of storytelling, what do you want from a work? And there is, is it paying off on your terms or with the works terms? Totally. Are? And, and, like, and so, where do those two play with each other? And so this yeah. is where, where I was talking last episode a little bit about this. But like part of me while watching this stuff is like there's another version of Evangelion that from here becomes – and I'm going to talk a little bit about what comes next, not in specific terms. There's a version of this show in your mind that becomes like every other anime – Every other shonen show, every other shoujo show, or nearly, in which the heroes overcome their trauma, they realize they have to fight together, they have to, they find the power of friendship, you're my Nakama, <laughs> like, there is like a, a deep-seated love that pushes through, or there's a realization that together are, tra- and then they get a big sword and they kill the final angel or Gendo or whatever. And then it's like, rah, rah, friends in the end. Um, and there's like real talk. There's a version of that show that is deeply fulfilling to watch mm-hmm. because it's delivered with expertise. You can imagine that show existing. Other other shows in all of the genres that Ava is playing with, from mech to kaiju to toku, like all of that stuff, you know, the Sentai shows out there, like do that sort of storytelling. And some of them do it with exceptional craft. Like I'm, I'm not going to sit here and be like, Ava is one of a kind in, in the <laughs> way that it is able to deliver great cinematography or really intense character moments, right? Um, deeply influential, huge, huge, uh, became, became a huge reference point for later uh, uh, people working in, in the medium and increasingly working in other media also. I, you know, I, I think it's, it's, 
We've talked a little bit on other Waypoint stuff about how like there was a generation of Western creators whose primary motive of inspiration was like the anime that came out in America in this period of time or in the West. Um, and so like hugely influential. But Ava isn't the show where it's going to be like Shinji gets the big sword and convinces Asuka and Rei to like be good friends. And like it's just not that show. And part of me wants to, and again, this is why I'm so excited to go back to, excited is the wrong word, why I'm so anxious, <laughs> actually, to go to the final, to go to the next uh -huh. two episodes and the finale, sure. is because we, it is not, it is doing a different thing. It is going to do a different thing that is not about that sort of heroic anime finale. And it's powerful, it is, part of the reason it's left such a big impact, no pun intended, is, be is because it has chosen not to, because the creators have chosen not to just do the traditional ending to a show like this. Episodes 25, 26, the heroes, you know, the hero gets the girl in the end and blah, 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 blah. Uh, or, or other sorts of big spectacle. It goes into a completely different direction that I'm so curious to see what y'all see in these next few episodes that is deeply unique at the very least. Um, and... That is why I'm I'm trying to work through what it means to be fulfilled. How do I know when I'm satisfied? To to pull a, an ancient <laughs> meme back, um, because I want there to be space for works that are not traditionally satisfying. That is in itself a sort of satisfaction, right? Um, people in filmmaking have forever played with ideals of dis ideas of, of dissatisfaction, lack of resolution, lack of closure uh, of Things uh, of a sort of like uh, naturalism that says not everything wraps up in a neat arc. Sometimes trauma happens and the follow up is not resolution or closure or healing. Sometimes trauma just happens. I want there to be space for that in terms of what's on the board for creators to to experiment with and play with. But at the same time, I'm with you, Rob, which is like. This is why I say that it's writing a really big check. Once you start playing with sexual assault, once you start playing with like deep-seated trauma like this, especially with children as characters, you need to take me somewhere new and powerful. You need to deliver on the the stakes that you've written. Um, and that doesn't necessarily need to be like a heroic ending, but I, I do think it needs to be something transformative. Um, and so that is, for me, what going into this rewatch, I have not yet rewatched episodes 25, 26 or End of Ava. For me, it's like, is this transformative? Does this change me as the viewer in a way? Uh, does it does it bring me somewhere new? Does it feel like it's treating these characters with integrity um, or are they pawns or are they they shadows? You know, are, are they are they like kind of thrown away? Uh, or, or put into position as we need them, the way Kaji was, for instance. Um, so those are that is where my head is. We should get into episode twenty three because mm, mm, we should get into episode twenty three because speaking of throwing away characters or speaking of like <laughs> treating people like pawns, tears oh, or Ray three. <laughs> um, oh man, we have a great opening uh, with Misato at her desk, which I had to actually pause and be like, wait, is she at Kaji's desk? For a couple of reasons. One, she has a longboard. She has like Cars. a skateboard. Two, yeah, she has a, yeah. a weird car poster above her desk. Three, she yep. has uh, like it's a sports car. She's like a baseball cap yep. hanging off of a off of like a cabinet or a, a 
bedpost or something. And then uh, there's like a box of Kleenex on the ground next to her computer, um, uh, like an Ikea desk lamp. Uh, and then this is actually a specific, very clear Kaji reference, which is there's a bunch of, co- there's a bunch of coffee cans, like cans of, of, of like iced coffee or whatever, Japanese uh, canned coffee. And throughout the entire show, Misato drinks beer, Kaji drinks coffee. That is like a recurring motif for them visually. Um, and so here in her desperation after Kaji's death, she is drinking lots of coffee. Um, she is not in a great place. Asuka is not in a great place. Asuka, in fact, has left. Asuka is playing Sega Saturn games over at Hikari's house. Um, yep. I, didn't, I didn't go back and see which game she was playing, but she was playing some Saturn games. Uh, the reason I know they're Saturn is because they're discs. <laughs> Danielle. Yes. It looks like a Saturn. T- if I may just yes. make one observation... Please. Everybody deals with their trauma at the beginning of this episode as if they were a teenage boy. Like, very oh, clearly. Misato uh, kind of goes into... I think Misato truly is a teenage boy, and that's why I love her so much, because so am I. So, like, it's 100% that. And also, uh, Asuka playing video games, having sleepovers at her friend's house. Like, it's a very, like... These are, like, teenage boy symbols in a lot of ways. And it's really interesting because Shinji doesn't do things in the sort of traditional... Teenage boy, right? In, in way, the normative, in we're some talking ways. here so, about like very normative yeah. ideas about what gender is, right? Exactly. Yeah. This is a, I'm putting giant quotes on yeah, all yeah, of these yeah. things because, of course, any person of any gender can play video games and like cars and like skateboards. It's just these are the images that are typically associated with that type of thing. Totally. Um, uh, so um, there's a, a great little moment of Asuka in in bed next to Hikari, like like for the sleepover, where Asuka. Uh, apologizes and says that like I couldn't win so I'm worthless and says that she hates herself and Hikari bless you Hikari bless you class representative says (laughs) you should do whatever you want Um, you did a great job and then Asuka just curls up and cries more and I'm glad she has I'm glad Hikari is there for her Hikari a character who's barely been in this show but is still kind hearted uh, and you know also kind of has let Asuka move in with her, has let her just, like, push her way into into her life. Um, uh, this whole episode is about Rey, the, the origins of Rey, Rey's past, um, the truth behind who Rey is. Um, and uh, uh, we end up getting into that. Um, once we kind of set the stage with the... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the after effects of the last episode... Um, do you have something, Danielle? No, oh, just, just like a... it was just sort of a not of acknowledgement, but that I just generally liked this setup as a somewhat realistic uh, sort of aftermath of trauma. In a yeah, lot of ways. everyone in recovery mode, basically. Yeah. Um, also, the aftermath yeah. of trauma being like Ritsuko's cat dies because she hasn't been taking – she gave her cat to her grandmother and she was going to go visit her grandmother and her cat but just like never made specific plans. The ways in which like moments of crisis and moments of overwork lead you to just like not be the person you want to be. Um, we learn that Zayla is, yeah. is furious that Gendo used the Spear of Longinus um, in, specifically in a way that's made it impossible to recover. Uh, but before their debate about this can can finish, um, another angel uh, arrives, uh, and this angel is like a weird. It's it's Armasiel. It's a big halo. It's a big halo that's like around a mountain yep. 
There's a great shot of Misato seeing it in the distance as she's driving through the woods. Um, uh, it's a big halo, and it's a big it's halo. It's also a double helix. It is also a double helix. Good call. <laughs> Did you know that Ava uh, or that Angel <laughs> DNA is ninety nine yeah. point whatever? <laughs> blah blah blah. Um, it un it unhalos itself as Unit Two a- approaches it to act as a decoy. Uh, even though Asuka is in terrible shape, they still let her go back out there. Uh, it's just hard to see Asuka be as distraught as she is here. Um, uh, and um, so it's up there trying to to be a decoy. Uh, Masato goes into the into the command center. Things are just breaking. The Magi are deadlocked. They can't decide what to do. Um, and in as Unit 0 and Unit 2 approach it, it snaps open. The halo reveals itself to be more like a worm and less like a halo, and it just kind of floats through the air, uh, charging at Unit Zero, and before she can shoot at it, um, it breaks through the, the AT field and like pierces Unit Zero's torso and begins to corrupt and corrode Unit Zero in this very, like, it becomes veiny and bubbly and weird. And it's real gross. It's real gross. Yeah. And then Ray's body also becomes weird and gross, uh, veiny, uh, in, the, in a similar way. Um, and so they, they launched Asuka finally, and uh, there's this great, I love the delay here. It's like, all right, Asuka, launch. And then like the, the kind of cat, the giant cabinets with the Ava sized weapons appear. And then she just like, doesn't move to take them at all. And it's such a great contrast to the fight a few episodes ago where she literally was on a hill surrounded by weapons and just like blasting them all one by one and <laughs> yeah. switching between them. And now she's just like completely, uh, apathetic or not even apathetic, just like un- uh, unresponsive. Um, well, well, she's and like trying, she's, right? She's she's moving yeah. her arms. She's squeezing the controls. She's yes. like shake. She's trying so hard to just physically will herself to do something about it. And that that image really struck me as like she is utterly traumatized, but she still has fight in her. Like totally. it, it won't. The fight won't leave her, even if she's completely ineffective, completely unable to do anything at all. She's like shaking, trying to move those controls, totally. which is a lot. Uh, you know, she's a character whose sheer force of will has gotten her this far, like yeah. natural talent and just pushing. And I think this, not that she isn't someone that hasn't experienced a uh, enormous amount of trauma in her life, but like this is the culmination of a lot of things coming to a head. And as a result of like having no way to meaningfully deal with it, she has been able to solve problems like that in the past on just things were easy for her. And not in the sense that like, like things have been easy, capital e- like easy, but like things have come easy for her because she is like a natural talent and this is a moment in which it's not going to be handed to her she's going to have to like do work with herself to get to the other side and is just not in a position to do that and so she thinks like well i'll just be i'll just fall back onto what's worked before which is like i'll just be aggressive and rob making shaky that's just not coming (laughs) i see the shaky hand yeah uh i hate that reading um (laughs) because i i think the i think there's something to this i think Asuka, I would say, it's not that things have come easy to her. It's that effort has always paid off for her, which is a different thing. Like, she is somebody who trains and trains and trains and, like, built herself into becoming a great Ava pilot. And what's sort of emerged here at the end is, that doesn't actually matter. Like, your training is great, but that's actually not the thing that makes these things go. It is talent. Asuka doesn't have a meaningful amount of talent for being an Ava pilot. It turns out the talent of being an Ava pilot is some kind of weird, like, 
soul level thing that is going on with Ray and Shinji. And I think this is one of the this is one of the ways they kind of like how they've sort of perfectly broken Asuka is that she's gotten this far and it's all train, 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 train. And it will be it will it will pay off. You do the moves, you do them in the right order, uh, you will be successful, you will be praised, you will be good at this. Now she has gotten to the big leagues and she's like, you know, they're they're playing with live ammo and the real nature of the Avas is becoming more apparent and all that training turns out to basically be meaningless because actually we just needed Shinji who was never trained at all just to have a weird like spiritual connection with the Ava and then the Ava is going to freak out and eat something and that's good mm. that works yep. and nobody ever told Asuka about that part and so I think this is I think this is so like this is kind of the definitional thing, but I think it's an important thing to look at with Asuka in particular. She is some she is very much a product of someone who has spent her life getting to be good at a thing, and then the rug gets pulled out out from under her because actually to be great at it, which is what we need, you need some kind of natural ability that there's no amount of training that we're going to get that we can give you. So uh, we skipped something, I think. Well, so there's a thing that blends these two. St- reads together and I'm cautious of being the one to open the door because of it being a thing I know but I don't know if you know it yet but I don't know if you know it yet <laughs> can, can you, you ask give Kato? a hint? no don't give us a hint can you somehow like I can take my headphones off no 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 no, no 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 I, I the reason I don't okay so well, no, because theoretically people are following along with this too. So yeah, we can't spoil well, and it and, and I've looked up stuff which is like, oh, y'all are like so adjacent to a very core thing, or have even there is something that is ties. It... The... Go ahead, Danielle. Is, is this a mom thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm starting to put it together with the mom thing, and it. The... I... Correct me if I'm wrong. This is just a theory. Yes. But it has to do with who their moms are. Yes. Or or with Ray, who maybe with who their moms where her are. material is, is but I, actually, something okay, about where their, is, who their moms are. The the thing to okay. actually maybe focus in on is the contact the contact experiment. Right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um yep. by this point in the series, you've already said this to me. Last two episodes ago, your theory was the Avas are moms, right? Was that unit one is Shinji's yeah. mom. We know that that is true at this point. Right. The second step you can make from these episodes is Ava's are moms. Right. Um, so there's a moment in the last episode that we moved past quickly in which while being attacked by the angel, um, Asuka is begging her mother to remain her mother. Uh, in this flashback, is saying, I'm not a doll. She's begging for attention. And then her mother says, die with me. And so not only is this a flashback to the murder-suicide, is this Ava Unit 2 telling Asuka live in the moment, die now with me? Shit. Um, Because... Is unit two, to what degree is unit, and also this speaks now, the reason I bring this up, the reason I have to bring this up now, and, and I want to be clear, there is not like some big, uh, there is there is another layer of this revelation later, but it is not like, okay. Um, 
the the Shinji revelation is the big revelation about the mom stuff. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Uh, and the yeah, and the yeah, stuff yeah. with 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 Ray and then with Lilith. Like moms, it's moms all the way down <laughs> down in the terminal moms, dogma. Yeah. Um, uh, and there's the end of the Evangelion show. was actually released under the title Mars Needs Moms. Mars Needs uh, Moms. <laughs> it's going to be quite the, quite the change um, in gears. It's also worth noting. It's also worth noting that there is stuff outside of Ava that confirms this general thing in a much more general way. There's like a game that basically says, "Oh yeah, uh, unit unit." whatever Toji's unit is, that's Toji's mom also. And that's only in a side game. It's not in the text at all. It's so frustrating. Yeah, I fucking love licensed properties fucking where they give it. them like, access to the story bible and yeah. they're just like, fuck it, I'm gonna put that in the game. Uh, yeah, Wait, totally, so Toji and totally. Asuka... Uh-huh. So Are siblings? No, 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 no. no. Toji's in a totally Toji's different mom. Ava. Toji's in a different oh, Ava. Oh, sorry, Toji's sorry. That's right, he's in a different Ava. Yeah, 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 yeah. All um, good. But aren't we all kind of siblings? Aren't we all children of Lilith, in a sense? Yeah. Um, yes. Brothers and sisters. So the reason I bring this oh up is because... Oh my god, that makes me so angry. So this, <laughs> this is what... This is what me, <laughs> ties the two readings Rob together. Rob is disengaging! Rob He's looking the other direction, looking plug. out the window. Probably <laughs> sipping hot cocoa. Or maybe Rob, get back in the discourse. <laughs> Rob, we need you get to get you in into the plug. discourse. Because Rob is right. The skill, Asuka believed that the skills for piloting an angel, or an Ava, hmm, the skills <laughs> for piloting an Ava were, uh, were about, like, motor skills and language and interfacing with technology, but in fact- It's a book, like, you can read step A to Z, yes. and then, boom, you've got right. it. It's like but, it, but actually, it was your mommy issues. It was actually your mommy right. issues. It was, do you, do you, how do you feel about your mom? Have you opened your heart to your mother? Have you worked through your mom issues? And Shinji does throughout the course of this work. He sees Ray, you know, uh, uh, doing the like whatever the thing with the dish rag at that one point, and like, oh, that's a that's what moms look like. That's very maternal. He has this thing with Masato <laughs> that we'll get to, where he's like, Jesus, where yeah. he's like, ah, oh, yeah, like you're a, 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 a maternal figure in my life, and eventually confronts Yui directly in this series of episodes, and it's kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, moms, hashtag moms. Hashtag mom squad. Um, and so he begins to succeed and excel. And also the relationship between Yui and is just like a different relationship than the one with uh, Zeppelin. What, what's what's yeah. uh, Kyoko? Yes. Kyoko, Zeppelin, Suryu. Um, and so that is like Asuka not in a good place with her mom. Does not have positive vibes. Uh, and so I think those two readings are not actually incompatible but also, I could see why you hate this, Rob. <laughs> um, I have to now leave the part of the notes where I'm talking about Asuka's mom dying with her. Uh, and go back oh. to a much less... Nope, still fucked up. I went back <laughs> up, but still a fucked up part of my notes. Yep. Bad stuff keeps happening. Um, uh, I really don't like... So we get more of Ray being infected here. And there's this one shot that reads like a 90s shitty Rob Liefeld comic or like Todd McFarlane thing where her back is arched in this impossible way and her breasts are just like... There's a word I'm looking for. Just... What's the word? The heaving. They're just like... <laughs> all the way forward and her body is like body horror but it's like sexualized body horror and this is what I meant about how I'm glad the last sequence the last episode's sequence was not shot because it's it very clearly could have been shot that way um yeah. uh uh and then we get more of like Ray interiority, Ray talking to someone inside of her, presumably the angel. Um, 
who invites her to become one with with it. Um, uh, and we get like a, a back and forth between the two of them going through this question of like, is what Ray feeling pain or is it loneliness? Um, is Ray suffering because she feels alone? Um, uh, and eventually kind of saying, this isn't my loneliness you feel. This is your loneliness, Ray. You are feeling alone. You just haven't confronted that yet. You do long for for the the company of others, basically. I had a question about that line, actually. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of confused about which direction it's flowing or if it's just actually going in both ways. Because, My, yeah. Because it could be about Ray talking to the angel and angels as being these things that only exist usually except for the one that's split. Yeah. But even then, that could as be individual things, as yeah. individual things that don't really have a sense of community or anything like that. Uh, so the way my notes have it written is um, the voice is the angel who asks Ray if she wants to become one with it. Ray doesn't, but it's too late, she says. Um, I believe all of this, though, is that is Ray's voice actor. Yeah, right? it's both. It's, yeah. They're speaking to herself. It's the interior Ray, with, right. with, but the interior Ray is now also tied to this angel. To the angel. The yeah. angel says that she'll share her heart with Ray and asks if she can feel the ache in her heart. Ray tells the angel that it's not pain that is in the angel's heart. That's loneliness. And then the angel turns it back around. Uh, or Ray says to the angel, there are so many of us, but you're alone and you hate it. Right. That's what loneliness that, feels yeah. like. Talking to the angel. Right, and right. the angel turns it back on her and goes, aha, that's actually not me. That's you. You're the one who feels alone, not me. Fucking hoisted. Ho- yeah, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Honestly? hoisted. Uh, um, uh, and we know that she's hoisted because in unit zero, she begins to cry. And she's like, wait a second. I'm not supposed to cry. I'm, <laughs> I'm Ray. I'm, yeah, I'm having emotions. Um, and we get a dope shot of like this new angelic form sprouting from the back of Unit Zero oh my God, yeah. uh, at like something out of fucking Akira. <laughs> like, um, and in fact, what oh, it is yeah. is it is all of the past angels mixed into one new body. Like if you slow down and really? look at that, it's oh, like the weird shit. spider oh, one, shit. the one with the with the mask face that almost killed them all. Like all if you pause in that sequence, it's all of these other previous ones m- mixed up in this weird Tetsuo flesh mask or mass rather. Um Gendo yeah. is like, all right, bring bring Yui back and back online. Get unit one out there. Um and get Yui out there. Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, and Asuka <laughs> is mm-hmm. deeply upset by the fact that they didn't send Unit 1 up to save her when she was in trouble. Um, and Shinji is like, all right, Misato's like, go save Rei. And instead, uh, uh, also also the worm goes after Shinji. Um, and she orders, Misato orders, orders Shinji to use the progressive knife on it, and he does. And there's another great thing here, which is as as he cuts into this weird halo worm, it starts to scream like a human. <laughs> and it begins to corrupt him, and he looks down at his hand, and little rays are bubbling out of his flesh. God. You know, like, like you do. Yeah. When you cut. And then An another angel. one happens at the end of the worm. <laughs> a, a whole ray body appears. Hey, that's a ray. Um, and ray, <laughs> like with a, with a with a a sense of of distance and disinterest that I think is commendable. It's like, ah, oh, is that what's inside my heart? I want to be one with Shinji. Apparently, um, uh, 
God, is this the? Is this, this is all perfectly normal? Yeah. Uh huh. Her, her is, I love this. This is puberty. Okay, this is just what puberty is. Okay. You're gonna go through some changes. You're gonna have some weird feelings. You're gonna have right. some mom shit. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, she certainly but like her 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 indifference is like part of like I love that. Yeah. They the moments that when they ch- like yes to all of us watching this bot like it's specific that obviously the like the body horror of this the heightened uh, unrealness of this and yet. She looks at this as just, huh, like quizzically. Yes. Um, is that like really like core to like, that's like a, a bookend to the elevator scene in which how does someone deal with the world around them? And to her, this is all just, you know, it may not necessarily be rational, but she's found her rationalization for it. And it's allowed her to survive this far. And so like that's watching everyone else have like a complete meltdown while she's just like actually having a moment to like <laughs> think about herself, which like that interiority doesn't happen very often is just like a really good moment for, for her as a character, as everything as like chaos reigns everywhere else. I think it's a cool thing too, because one of the things we've seen happening over the last like run of episodes is that at the beginning, you could actually criticize Ray as she is very puppet. Like she is sort of the one, yeah. like the tin soldier that Gendo winds up and sends out to do missions. And like, with the exception of his emotional fixation on her, like there's no real consideration of what, like the idea of Ray wanting something or having an interiority that's meaningful has basically been mooted to this point. And this last run of episodes, we've started to see that change. Yeah. Ray is like exhibited without even fully knowing why, like when she goes and talks to Toji and he tries to explain, like, actually, I think you're mostly here because you're worried about Shinji. But it's kind of this, like, at first, like, what she's starting to realize is she is acting on emotions, but she isn't processing what's driving them. And other people are like, actually, I think I think here's what you're up to. And it's like range finding almost with, like, artillery where she's starting to dial in, like, what are my feelings? And she's getting, like reads on that from what or other just people what have. are feelings <laughs> yes. yeah, I, don't yeah think she, like, I think for her feelings are like a bullet point it's like be on a pdf of like an analysis of data as opposed to like something like much more ephemeral but she wouldn't but she wouldn't even be able to interpret what that right. data point right. was or right. where right. it existed on the uh, like on the plane and i think what's what's cool here is by this point even though she's still ray she's still got this kind of odd detachment from self and from emotion but nevertheless she can look at these things now and she's like no actually i do have a preference i do have a feeling and that is not how they built her is the feeling i get from how like everything we've seen about ray and the way gendo uses her and about the way nerve uses her this is not what they necessarily programmed her to do or be nevertheless here it is ray is increasingly coming into a self that kind of by design they did not want her to possess you cannot build uh as we know from kingdom hearts <laughs> over a long enough time i don't line, know exposed to I external stimulus everything has the capacity to build a heart yeah which is distinct from a soul in kingdom hearts but not here not here not same here. thing same thing here really <laughs> clears it up honestly. yeah actually um but no yeah i, I actually think there's a degree of of optimism in, in this part of Ray, which is like, you cannot build a super soldier out of your dead wife. You can't do it. Like, she's going to develop into her own being every time. On a long enough timeline, she's going to have her own thoughts. She's not, you cannot make a doll. A doll will eventually become a person. 
because that is just like true about, I mean, as long as they have a soul already, maybe this gets complicated and falls apart as we start to actually get into the mechanisms of how all this works. Because I bet all the rays we see at the end of this episode are just not going to ever develop in that. Anyway, we'll get there. Um, I bet. In this moment, Ray is crying. Uh, and realizes that she wants to be one with Shinji, realizes that she cares for Shinji, and that she does not want Shinji to die here. And so she charges in, she inverts her AT field, and tries to contain the angel inside of Unit Zero. Um, and it, we get another real gross body horror, horror thing that's like, preg, pre, she's but pregnant. this one. Yeah. Uh-huh. She's pregnant. With yeah, I was going to yeah. say, this is a very pregnant uh-huh. one. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, big, weird, bulbous growth where the S2 engine normally goes, uh, which is also, as we know, the S2 engine is where, like, the cockpit is. It's where the the entry plug connects to, uh, the, the core, the red core at the heart, which is also the womb. So it all yeah. just lines up uh-huh. perfectly. <laughs> Misato orders Ray to eject, but Ray says that she cannot do that because if she does, the AT field that's holding the angel in will disappear. And so Ray activates her self-destruct drive, which is a thing these things have, apparently, uh, which begins to collapse the Ava's core. She turns back to the light and sees Gendo smiling back at her, recalling the times that Gendo smiled at her, but also recalling the end of uh, that two-parter from the beginning with uh, with Ramael, uh, episode right. six or whatever, where, where Shinji is smiling at her. Um, uh, and uh, he fades away. She reaches out and Ava takes on her form. As like a bot, as a human body, is like a bright just... white statuesque human form, um, and then it detonates like an N two mine. Um, the target is gone. Says is that because the whole angel ended up going inside the Ava, and so it is completing its corruption, and it is this being a pure pure light as the S two drive is overloading, and so like this is this is why this works. We've we've blown up. We've tried to blow up angels before, but this right. time it's gone all the way inside a vessel that is a time bomb. Right. I guess so. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. The damage is big enough from within the the angel itself. Yeah. I just wanted for people who are only listening, I just really want to make clear how wild this shot is. Ray sees it, Gendo, it begins to cry. In such a it, yeah, it lifts. It, almost like you remember Toji's uh, Ava, what was doing its weird thing where it was like it felt like it was being pulled by sh- invisible strings. Right, very similar. She reaches yeah. up and it kind of like and like she sort of pushes herself up, but mostly it feels like she's being pulled upwards. Um, her the, cat the, thing. the whole yeah. body, yeah, uh-huh. the whole body turns into like a black outlined white figure with a halo around it. And then turns bright white and explodes. It's really beautiful. It's gorgeous and weird and scary. Uh, and it erupts. And, um, you know, someone says the target is gone. Misato orders an, a rescue operation as she shakes and quietly cries. Uh, and Ritsuko Love jabs at her. Yeah, Ritsuko, well, so does Ritsuko, who says if there are any survivors, which, great. Um commercial break yeah rob question yeah answer okay so we're back to the obelisks they're floating around yes. with the talk their yeah. numbers yeah i need some clarity on something real quick mm-hmm. so throughout oh, the show real quick in mm-hmm. the past <laughs> gendo's talked to a bunch of dudes who are like hollow projections coming out of like simon says buttons that is the human <laughs> instrumentality council 
Okay. Those are the people, the this physical is bodies. That's a totally different thing. Mm. So the, the hollow dudes <laughs> are not the obelisk dudes. I think there's overlap there. They're the same? There is overlap. Do they just get tired okay. animating pe- faces? No, they're different and groups. We're like, they're, they're different. Right. There are more people in the Sela yeah. total committee than yeah. the human um, instrumentality. There's Keel is in both. I well, Keel we know is in is Keel is the one with like the cool mask situation in the hollow projection color room. Right. The white like the, the, he's the white, white box. hair. Yeah, he's yeah. the white box. Um but I think the obelisks are, and he's also Sela zero one, um, in in the like monolith situation. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. Listen, I think they're two different groups. I think Sela. So, okay, here's here's. I think I think the Human yes. Instrumentality Council exists within Sela. It's just a specific group of people within Sela. Yes, that is correct. Okay. All meetings of the committee are held by video conference. Unlike meetings of the full Sailor Council, video conferences of the committee actually show images of all the members. Right. This is a committee within Sailor that's about that project. Right. Whereas the the, Sailor says, and then the obelisks are just the greater like board of directors, essentially. Right. Right. If you want to think about it in like company terms, it's like the full board of directors and then the council for a specific project. Both within yes. Sailor. There are 12 members of the Sailor Council. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. And there's that some is... overlap between those members, but... Presumably, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes, okay. Um, which is interesting because it may be that the, part of what's happened here is Sela writ large no longer trusts the Human Instrumentality Council to be the only connection to Gendo. Yeah. Right? They're like, yo, this motherfucker threw that spear into space! <laughs> we need that spear! <laughs> Let me talk to him. I gotta talk to him about that spear. That's like me. When you throw so something pissed. up on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And they can't like, reach. Look, go get get some footballs. Throw them up on the spear. Throw them up. See if you can knock him. I don't care if the football stays up there. Ah. So uh, they, those though they they talk about the uh, the state of affairs, and then the rest of this this stuff is like a combination of two things. One, it's people being sad. Yeah. Uh, it's it's Misato being torn the fuck up, uh, and it is them trying to recover uh, Ray's body. Or I guess actually at this point they immediately Ritsuko finds something in the wreckage and is immediately like, shh, top secret now. No one gets to know what we just found. Um, uh, but yeah, we get a lot of people mourning. Um, we get Shinji. We get a, a scene, Danielle, you wanted to talk about here, where Shinji... Really need to talk about this. Yeah, so Shinji's yeah. in his room. He's staring at his ceiling. He's playing pop music on his Walkman. Uh, his Walkman, and, and then Misato comes in and sits next to him on the bed. Uh, sh- he tells her that he is so sad, but the tears won't come out. She says, I wish there was more I could do, but all I can do is this, and reaches out for his hand, uh, at which point he shouts, recoils, turns into the corner... And uh, Misato leaves his room wondering if he's afraid of woman, women or afraid of getting close to others. She she then kneels down and calls Pen Pen over and realizes that she is the one who is lonely, not Shinji. And she says that, you know, anyone would do, even you, Pen Pen, even my sapient penguin would, uh, oh. you know, roommate would do. So what is your what is Pen your Pen. What, let's let's what is the, the focus of this discussion? Okay. Danielle. I did not know. When I watched this, and again, I watched this three times, if this was meant to be a purely, uh, you know, friendly, like, I'm I'm kind of your mom-ish, sort of, your mom roommate 
uh-huh. etc. Trying to comfort you in a pretty above board way of like, hold your hand, put my arm around your shoulder, you know, cry on my shoulder kind of thing. Or if this was meant to be, Misato doesn't know how else to deal with uh, a guy who's mm-hmm. having a hard time other than to initiate something sexual. The Ava Geeks Wikipedia says uh, specifically, uh, Shinji is devastated by Ray's death and Misato attempts to comfort him the only way she knows, by trying to initiate a sexual encounter. And I was like, what? Uh, I didn't you fucking read it weirdos. that way. No. I didn't Wiki. read it that way. Uh, but something yeah. that happens in the next episode makes me think uh, like, oh, is touching a hand like something else? Like in this world, in the world of Ava, does touching a hand mean there are different it's time ways to, to go have sex now? No, I know, but like it, the way it's framed, it looks very similar to another hand touch that happens in the next episode. I think in the next, in 24, right? Yeah, next episode. Yeah, yeah okay. So I'm really confused here what people read into that. I saw it. I thought it was pretty above board the first couple times I saw it. I read this and I was like, fuck, did I completely miss something? Did I miss like the way this is framed in some way? Didn't see the sexy times connotation here, but again, watching the next episode, I was like, okay, there's there's another uh, reach out and touch. Uh, so, I don't know what other people saw, so I want to ask what other people yeah. saw here, because I am confused about this. Uh, I think there's supposed to be ambiguity. I think parts okay. of the fandom really want it to be sexual. I think the show will okay. relitigate this moment in the future. I think part of the argument mm-hmm, around mm-hmm. the sexuality is a shot that shows... The behind him as he's laying down, you can see his desk chair uh, that is positioned in such a way that it looks phallic because it's rising from his crotch as Misato sits down blocking it. Um, and I th- I get why okay. you... Okay, okay. Jesus. Uh, this is, <laughs> this yeah, but you know that this is the fucking way the show you... has worked. You know that this is the yes. way the show has absolutely worked with phallic imagery. Okay. So I want to be clear, the show comes back here or the, the movie will come back to this moment. Um, but, okay, but even okay, then, it okay. ends up being in a more comp- there's a there's a way in which we can we will talk about this again in the future is what I will say there. Okay. Um, uh, the I think that there are I think the ambiguity can exist in that she is reaching out to be like, hey, are you okay? Uh, and you could read it as Shinji reading that as a sexual thing right. without it sure. without also reading it as Misato offering sex, but I think it is widely, right. there is a, a wide swath of the fandom who believes that this is about sex. So like, understand that that is not just like one weird take on the internet. Um, okay. That that is sure. a pretty common read. Uh, the fact that like, I think we all like Misato a lot and believe that she would not cross that boundary is, uh, I think says good things about us and our love of Misato. Um, and also I think yeah. part of it is, part of my, my, my beef with that read is that it reduces her need to, to to fulfill her loneliness to just the sexual desire, right? Like it right. is true that she, she is the one, ha- and she we don't have a lot of evidence of that. Like we don't like I, that doesn't read into the character that I've seen portrayed up until this moment. Like it's it's yes, the show has taken lots of enormous leaps with characters in which we don't get scenes that justify the actions, but. I don't know. I, 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 again, like you said, I guess we'll relitigate this when the the show chooses to. But in this moment, when I watched it, like the reason I have a visceral reaction to that is because that I, I cannot see that read like at all. Like regardless of whatever amounts of the fandom want to. <laughs> totally. Yeah, for me, it really was just I, I, 
again, read it twice in a row being like, she, she just wants to give some like genuine friendship and just like perfectly above board affection. Cause she goes to the penguin next and just gives him a, hu- she just wanted a fucking hug. Well, also, like, it's just like, the, you know? the no- like the notion of like, it is, it is co- like, these are teenagers, adults trying to find spaces to be intimate with teenagers emotionally yes. and how you balance between physical distance, emotional distance is incredibly hard. If you have tried in your life to be around a teenager when you're trying to like bridge that gap, they're like, it's a million like miles wide most of the time. Yeah. And so the notion of like initiating that through like a hand touch to see like, would that result in like Shinji turning over and then wanting to cry? Like, like right. they're, I don't, that, that <laughs> again, like I really find myself like struggling with like alternative interpretations despite the existence of maybe some injury that also then just feel like people like, wanting to find their reading through like like this I mean, is where dog, like you need to understand there are people in my dms multiple people in my dms who are like arguing that you should sexualize oscar and ray because it's well, about sure, uh, sure, being sure. uncomfortable you should they're 14 you're supposed to feel like they're sexy and that's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable like for real three different white dudes got in my dms that is close dms not yeah, I know. Like, listen, listen. Not, that's, that's also not textual. That's also how you get those tips about about weird shit happening at game companies. My DM's got to stay open. This sure. is the cost I pay. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I, the complicating factor is that shot. Very similar shot. Very similar framing in what I think is a very a much less ambiguous sexual not encounter, but like. There's much, much, much more uh, sexual intent when we see this very, yes. very similar shot. I don't think it's exactly the same shot. Obviously, it's a slightly different setting, different. I mean, hand, there's different a lot human beings' different. hands but or we'll whatever. We'll get to it. Yeah, yeah, totally. of course. That's what I mean. That's the only thing that gives me that. Like, I, I could see the read given this one shot. I even refuse, though I, I refuse to give yeah. this read more oxygen. I, I, <laughs> I, de- I declare by okay. I fiat that we are move, we are moving on to the next thing. <laughs> Totally. The other, the last thing on this Fair. is I think the other reason people go to this read is because we know that that our boy Anno is deep into his Freud right now. And so the blurring yes. of mother and sexual object is a, a, a thing that recurs in Freudian sure. psychoanalysis. Sure. And so that that is, I think, another thing that people point to here. Regardless, yeah, what, we, not- regardless what we <laughs> see next is that Gendo is looking at the LCL brain tube. Rob. The LCL brain tube. Um, Fuyutsuki yep. says that Ray was also the product of his despair, of, of Fuyutsuki's despair. He's like, I fucking hated this whole Ray shit that you did. Uh, but for you, it was a vessel of hope, huh? Um, and uh, and he says, forgetting her is impossible. Um, uh, we kind of jump between a couple of different things here. Um, as we learn that Ray is back. Ray's fine. Raised just in the hospital, like where she always is, with her bandages on, and we get Shinji like sprinting to see her, shouting out her name. Um, uh, and when <laughs> I love the delivery of this shit, it's so nonchalant. Um, he runs up to her and and he's like, "Thanks for saving me with Unit Zero. I thought there was no way you, you could have survived." And then it becomes very clear that she doesn't. She's like, "Oh, is that what happened? I saved you." And he's like, yeah, definitely. And then she, he, uh, he's like, you don't remember? And then she just like, no, no gravity, no seriousness. Just the way you would talk about eating a sandwich is like, it's probably because I'm the third one. Oh. Yep. Okay. It's pro. Yeah, I guess it's because you're the, the third, third one. The third children. 
Hmm. Also, Rob, I love children. it establishes children. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Children. children. Yeah. Rob. She's back to wearing like really intensive bandages and slings, like yeah. she was when we met her. And now we know that like, oh, that's costuming. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I don't no, think it was the shit. first time. Though. It was the first time I think she got fucked up, right? Yeah, the first time was real. <laughs> Was it? We didn't. We didn't everybody know. else we don't thought know, it was real. Only in so, right? unless, unless was she was real. acting. Because here's the thing, too. Mm. She doesn't see. She doesn't move in a way that would uh, assume any sort of like injuries in these scenes at all. Like really, like she seems fine under all the bandages. Yeah. But in that original, in the first episode, she could like barely stand. Yeah. So that is like. Yeah, but they were also rushing her out the door. Yeah. You know, like you yeah. gotta let the clone. <laughs> finish well no it's the first you gotta, like, you gotta you heat up properly. on the oven like right. that's not gonna be yeah. through we don't know when ray 2 is well yeah we do we is it immediate she's 40 oh yeah because ray 1 got strangled one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so ray 2 has been around for years yeah for years and years yeah but as a teenager no she grew up she was a child then and she grew up alongside yeah. in in nerve basically my understanding is right all of them were made at the same time, which is why they're all the same. That'd be oh. right. True. Yeah. True. That makes sense. Okay. Regardless, all right, that makes sense now. Okay. Um, regardless, uh, there's a, a, a good sequence here of uh, her. Um, we get like this mechanical sound of an industrial elevator. We get her going back to her bedroom. She, she, she sees Gendo's glasses on her desk and then moves over to crush them with her hands. And then she stops and starts crying and realizes that she should be seeing tears for the first time, but this isn't the first time she's seen tears. She And she can't tell why she's crying. So, like, there is some sort of lingering after effect of what's just happened yeah. still with her. Did we skip something? Probably, because I'm trying to be quick. What's up? What did I miss? Sorry. Uh, I think we skipped, like, a really crucial thing here. I What did we skip? Where we learn about the clones. No, no, that's, no, that's later. later. No. Not yet. Are you sure? 100%. Yep. yep. When she goes to the apartment and sees the glasses? I thought that's how it ends. Nope. No. There's still no. like 10 minutes of the episode left. 100%. Uh, the, the, sorry, the, I'm, yeah, I'm the misremembering. When you watch them four yeah, times, yeah. they're all starting it's to blur. I'm sorry. Totally. I'm misremembering the <laughs> ending. That's my bad. Yeah. No worries. Um, sorry. Uh, Gendo was like, uh, keep watching the kids, but it doesn't matter. We can give them space. Um, uh, and we don't need to be, uh, we don't need to put any additional restrictions on them. Uh, Fuyutsuki notes that, uh, that they're going to be pissed about, Sela is going to be pissed about Ray being alive. Um, and Gendo says, don't worry about it. The old men of Sela will have something else to occupy them soon. Um, and the other thing, that thing is a nude Ritsuko being interrogated in front of the, the Sela, uh, obelisks, um, the and we get a, a bit of a re emotional repeat here, which is that she's fine with being interrogated. She's fine with being put through the fucking ringer. But the thing that breaks her heart is that Gendo sent her as proxy. God, um, just like her mother felt bad because it was ah uh, Gendo's Gendo's affection is is the thing. Gendo's betrayal is the true betrayal. <sighs> um, I didn't make any. I didn't really take any notes about what that interrogation looked like. Besides that, I don't know if y'all had any thoughts there, but. It's just weird that she's naked. Nobody else is naked when they're interrogated no. there. Weird. Especially with the, like, the old men will have something to occupy them. <sighs> yeah. Um, yep. 
Misato opens up the capsule, the little pill that she'd been given before to reveal the the information, the microchip or microfiche or whatever it is. Um, uh, it's all the info that that he'd gathered. Um, and also it is it, there's this bit where she says basically like um, that she's she's done getting worked up over a phone that doesn't ring uh, because I have your heart. It's with me now. Uh, referring to Kaji, um, but not his soul. I don't think his soul is with her. I don't think that specifically. Right. So they are different. They that's are in the melon patch. Yeah. yeah. That's in the melon patch. You got to grow grow it. Um, Which got referred to as a flower patch in this set of episodes. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what the fuck, what why that was. Garden? It's so clearly not a flower patch. Um, maybe it's a, maybe he's like, I know what'll fucking get her. I, I got one last one last <laughs> prank from Misato. Go fi- go take care of my flower patch. Got you. It's melons. Ah. <laughs> you know, it's vaginas instead of boobs, right? right. Uh, like that's yeah, totally. that's all it is mm-hmm. for him. Um, yep. uh, the um, the big kind of end of this episode is the revelation. Uh, I'm skipping over some other stuff here. Uh, Ritsko um, goes down to Terminal Dogma. Uh, goes to enter it with her card, but her card is denied. And then we get the same reveal as before with Misato showing up at the door to Terminal Dogma with a gun pointed at the back of her head instead of Kaji's this time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she's like, all right, Ritsuko, I want to fucking see all the secrets. And and Ritsuko's like, yeah, sure. But then he's going to come see him too and flips a switch and reveals light Light. perfectly (laughs) framed on Shinji to be like, oh, Shinji's here to see the secrets too. And then we get the Ray reveal, right? Which is... That they go down. It's been they, the prestige the whole time. Uh huh. It has been the prestige. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, kind of. Th- kind of. The light turns on, um, revealing not only the weird orange LCL brain tube, but a whole set of of like full built-in wall pools of LCL fluid with lifeless ray bodies um, f- floating all around. Um, they are uh, – oh, you know what? I guess I skipped a big thing. That's actually – there's actually two events here. One, they see hey, the Ava brain. Graveyard? Yeah, they see the brain. Or they see the, the the weird brain. They see the LCL stuff. Um, uh, they um, see the – sorry, I'm wrong. They see the room that Ray was raised in, which is important. It's just yeah. like a shitty gray lifeless room that Shinji compares to her real – her current bedroom. Um, uh, and she's saw, laid out identically. Yeah, it's laid out identically, same same exact situation. Misato is like, uh, okay, I'm not impressed by this. Uh, and, and Ritsuko is like, all right, I'll show you some real shit. And takes her to a mass grave shaped like a giant cross where Ava parts have yep. been left. All of the dumping ground. The dumping ground for, for, Ava, for like failed Ava construction, but quote, also the place your mother disappeared, she says to Shinji. Um, and... Uh, uh, even if he doesn't remember, of course, Shinji and they're humans. knew that. Right. They're, yeah, they're humans, basically. They're big humans. Um, and then finally, yes, the revelation under in, in the room with the mechanical brain of dozens of nude, floating, smiling ray bodies uh, in, in vast pools of LCL. Yeah. You see, you've seen this room with a bunch of uh, uh, just DNA sequences on the wall yeah. before here. It's just yeah. like two two green lines of, you know, T-G-A-C over and over again. Yep. And then the lights turn on, and it's actually a circular, like, uh, like like an, like in an aquarium, right. basically. Um, this is, Ritsuko says, the production line for the dummy plug. 
Uh, it is where the parts of the core are made. They are empty dummies, spare parts meant to be used for Ray. Mankind came across a god, then tried to make it their own. Fifteen years ago, God inflicted his wrath. The god they were so excited about disappeared. Undeterred, they worked to resurrect their god themselves. That was Adam. Just like God, they made a human from Adam. That was Ava. Um, and basically says that all these rays are are empty vessels. The only soul with a ray, or the only soul... The only one with a soul is Ray. She's the only one born containing a soul. The chamber of Guff is now empty. <laughs> love, love to open the gate of Guff. Love to open the chamber. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Also, this is where Adam and Eve. It's like actually makes sense. Adam and Adam Naming and Eve. Well, and and yeah. more so once we learn the Lilith stuff next time, which we can get into. Um, yes. Yes. Ritsko makes a decision. Uh, again, this, the cycle, the cycle continues as she flips a switch on her, on her iPad and, uh, a very gory scene. Uh, well, it's not gory in like visceral sense, but it's like, there are some detached heads and limbs from the body, uh, as, uh, she begins to kill all of the, I actually did write there's blood and viscera here, um, Kill yeah. all yeah, of the no, floating. There's like some... All of the floating rays. There's viscera. Uh, the LCL turns red with blood, um, and Ritz, there's a, a fantastic exchange between Misato and Ritsko here, where Misato says, "Do you know what you've done?" And Misato er, and uh, Ritsko says, "Yes, I've destroyed property, which is <laughs> a lot." <laughs> um, and I think gets at kind of goes back to the the question that uh, Nako had about. Or the, that we had around the conversation with with the death of Ray One, mm. um, which is like, and also I think the heart of these two competing views for Ritsko, the body is nothing. The self is built through mind and soul, and so like these are just these bodies are just future selves who will be exploited by Nerve by Gendo. Um, and whereas Misato's position, which at this point is kind of similar to to Yui's. Uh, is that all human life is valuable no matter how oppressed it is, no matter how hard the boot is on your back, because to live is to have the radical potential for joy, even in the year after Second Impact, even even in uh, a hell on earth, there is the potential, as long as we live, for something incredible and great. Um, and so like that competing, those competing views are, I think, like the heart of those two characters and those two positions, Yui and Nako, and then replicated again in the cyclical, cynical nature between Misato and, and, uh, Ritsuko. Um, uh, uh, just like her mother, Ritsuko says that her love of Gendo gave her the strength to put up with everything, but he only ever cared about Ray. Yeah, Rob? God. <laughs> Shrugging and... God. Fuck off. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> like... Okay, the beat, I guess, sort of made a little bit of sense with, like, Naoko in terms of, uh, like, there's a backstory there, right? Here, it's just, yeah, Ritsuko, too, is going, like, we're basically going to have her turn into the same character as her mother and become the same, like, like, literally, we're going to replay this entire thing of, Mm -hmm. like, the bitter woman defined by her intellectuality as opposed to her uh either her maiden like youth or her sexuality uh the intellectual woman's going to be reduced to an embittered rejected shrew who's mm-hmm. going to destroy the youthful body of the child she perceives as her rival 
Uh, yep. Beat was so beat was so tasteful and insightful the first time. We're gonna run it again. <laughs> Let's just double down. Good lord. Uh, and it's it's that stuff is so frustrating to me because the core revelation works. The core revelation of like, even though you kind of knew some shit was up with Ray since the jump, be like, oh, they're manufacturing bodies to endlessly replace this one pilot, and also it is this again ultimate wife guy. Uh, um, uh, shit from, from Gendo here, um, is works for me, but this added layer of like, and so the, the, the scientist who has the rivalry with, with the, the young, with the child, the sexualized child has to kill the sexualized child over and over. It's just like. Yeah, nah, nah. Well, you know, you know what went wrong. What went wrong? It's because she's she's only the scientist and not the scientist, the <laughs> woman, and the mother. Right. That's of you know clearly of what went wrong here. <sighs> the Magi had it all figured out. They really <laughs> did. If only the ma- the Magi were here to to guide us. Um, yeah, I, I think that that part of it really just falls flat for me, and it's so frustrating. Um, yeah. Misato frames all of this as the tragedy of those obsessed by angels, and I'm no different. Um, which, uh, yeah, okay. is that the tragedy? Is that is, is that it? does the, the angels? This has to do with the angels, really? The angels, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is all Gendo's fucking fault. Yeah, I think also, Gendo is probably the, the show has done nothing whatsoever. Yep. to show Gendo as anything other than a fucking piece of shit and not very attractive, not very charming, not very anything. I think the real enemy here is compulsory heterosexuality. Compulsory heterosexuality. <laughs> They're just like, all right, well, he's the. It's him or Fuyutsuki. He's the guy. Yeah. He's or the man. Whatever Fuyutsuki's so much better, though. That's Fuyutsuki's the better option. Better. I know. <laughs> he has there's, good hair. There's also the technician guys. There's the two technician guys who work with Misato. Right. There's the rock man. Yes. Who, who's the rock man? Rock guy with long hair. Oh, who guy? He, yeah, rock. he play, rock, rock. Like, plays he rock. He likes rock. He likes rock music. Yeah. And there's the glasses guy, yeah. Hyuga, who is like, has a big crush on Misato, it becomes clear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she works him as a source because of it, right? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Mm-hmm. For sure. She 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 she's she's sorry she for it. She's trying to become Kaji. Yeah, exactly. But um, episode 24, I won't be done. Uh, the Last Cometh is the, is the Netflix title, a.k.a. The Final Messenger, uh, is the original Japanese title, or The Beginning and the End, or Knocking on Heaven's Door. I love that. Knock, knock, knocking. Knock, knock, knocking. Remember when they used that song in Lethal Weapon 2? <laughs> I'd forgotten that. Yeah. Remember when they used it in Big Love? I did not finish Big Love. No. Hmm. Oh. I heard it was good. There's a big Harry Dean Stanton scene with knock, knock, knocking on Heaven's Door. It's great. Asuka is continuing to work through the, the, the trauma of her mother's death and is continued to has continued to be uh, distraught. She is laying in like an empty tub in her destroyed apartment from presumably from the events of the last episode. No. Um, is it a different? Is it Kaji's bathtub? It's some. It's just I don't know if it's anyone in particular. If we know, like I don't mm. think they were giving any hints, but like. Oh, you're right because we see the, their home apartments later, and they're fine. Yeah, that's their like home a, that's like a that's like a, a, a beat. Um. So yeah, she uh she like. This is like all like almost one scene, but it, it's actually supposed to be like a, a, a weird time jump, right? Because Shinji says, tells Asuka that Kaji's dead. Right. And then 
she's yeah. in this bathtub. And then the next scene after that, Masato's like, oh, it took them seven, it took them a week to find her. To find her. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, and, you know, she's kind of still, she's still upset about her sink rate being zero, not allowed to be the second child anymore. Um, no one sees anything in her. Dad, mom, no one at all. There's no reason left for me to live. And then, yeah, nerve intelligence finds her. Um, uh, Shinji has watched the show and he's like, oh shit! I, Gray and my mom! <laughs> I did, when I said there was a maternal feeling yep. there, that's because that's my mom! Uh, um, <laughs> which, which I guess also is a reveal in the last episode or, or was that earlier? When, when do we get the explicit Yui Ray connection? I guess that's in the three episodes ago or whatever, right? That, right. that was in the stuff we covered last week, right? Yeah. yeah. My notes are a blur is it now. Explicit or just very heavily implied. Hinted? I think it's just heavily. Yeah. Implied. I think it's like very, it's pretty heavy, but it's yeah. Um, I think. Yeah. No one said the words, this is a Yui clone, but, but through imagery and stuff. Yeah. Right, Naoko told, says, yeah. Yui? Like, yeah. she does, right. like, a, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And, yeah. Then, and then now we have Shinji be like, oh, shit, yeah, okay. Weird, this makes my whole situation very strange. <laughs> um, uh, uh, and he's like, I wonder what Gendo and Nerve are doing, are using them for. Um, we get, uh, da Really, like the, the whole opening is just like some some day to day shit that that eventually builds to uh, a couple of key facts. One, um, uh, there's some Gendo Ritsuko back and forth here. Um, Gendo wants to know why Ritsuko destroyed the the dummy system, the quote unquote the dummy system, uh, and she's like, I didn't destroy the dummy system. I just destroyed Ray's bodies. Um, and again, we double down on this bullshit. Uh, because he says, like, well, why'd you do that? And she says, because I no longer feel any joy in your embrace. Why don't uh, Why don't you do what you want with me, with my body, just like before? Um, uh, which, again, is like, is this really the way that we're supposed to understand that she sees herself? It's gotten even less set up. Than, uh, it's just bad. Yeah. Um, it's bad. Uh we learn that most of the people who survived have left. Like Toji and Kensuke are just gone now. Um, presumably Hikari also. Um, Toji's alive, I guess. Toji lived through. I mean, we saw him in the hospital, I guess. In the in the manga, Toji does not make it out of this alive. By the way, Toji did not wind up in the hospital having lost a leg. Toji died during all of that stuff, and I believe from stuff I've read, that that was originally the case in the anime too. And mm. then someone in the production oversight was like, no, let him live, basically. And so he lived. Um, oh. uh, Shinji is struggling because he doesn't know who his friends, if he has friends left. Asuka is so distraught and he can't face Rei. He is too scared. He doesn't know how to treat her given all that he knows about her. Um, he doesn't know what to do. And with... Uh, everyone who he used to look to for guidance are gone. He just doesn't know uh, what what he's supposed to do and who to turn to. Um, uh, and as if answering a wish, as he <laughs> stares out into the sun at the beach, someone new arrives who he can turn to. Zidane <laughs> from Final Fantasy IX. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. This is Kwaru, who is uh, arrives humming Ode to Joy. Um, he's a boy with gray hair. He is sitting on some rubble. He's like, nice, isn't it? Like he's humming and he's like, hmm, yeah, you know what's cool? Is this is this music? Is this music? <laughs> is this music? I, I love, love music. 
Uh, it enriches the heart. It's Lilin's highest cultural achievement. Don't you agree, Shinji Akari? Yo, um. if I was ever somewhere and someone refer like instead of being like humanity's greatest achievement, he's like, "Isn't this the children of Lilith's highest achievement?" And like, I got some questions about you and the way you see the world and what your frame of reference is. Um, I like only Shinji is a character that's been portrayed as lonely enough and sad enough to yeah. let that pass in yeah. the face of an ounce of human kindness because it was just yeah. infuriating. Like. This doesn't seem fucking weird to anyone. <laughs> like, nerve this, like, yeah, okay, you're getting breached by angels, like, every other week. Yeah. Nevertheless, your new fucking pilot that you're rolling out to replace Asuka is like, damn, I just love hanging out here among the Lillen. It's great. <laughs> and everyone's just like, yeah, cool. Um, So where, yeah, where are you, you seem from? like a pilot. You like you're a normal just, human boy. Yeah. I'm just going to perch in a gargoyle. It's yeah, fine. That's all I'm going to do. <laughs> cool. A gargoyle with big angel wings. Yeah. Just because I thought yeah. that was a cool place to sit. Um, <laughs> How did asks, I get there? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> don't ask. <laughs> what's, the, what's the joke? I'm trying to remember the thing. Don't worry about what's on my gargoyle. It's my gargoyle. Um, <laughs> uh, he Shinji is shocked this boy knows who he is and he's like, you're Shinji. You've been fighting the angels. Everyone knows who you are. I'm Kawaru uh, Nag Nagisa. Nope, Nagisi. Nagisi? Nagisa. Did I write this wrong? Is Nagisa. I thought it was Nagisa, Nagisa, too. It's Nagisa. All right, my notes have an I here, which is wrong. Throw me off. Uh, I'm the fifth children. Um, Shinji doesn't know what to call him, and Kawaru says, just call me by my first name. Which is Koru. Uh, with a smile, with a charming with a, smile. A, yeah, charming smile. And Shinji blushes at this Im immediate familiarity and openness. With the note, remember, like, he even calls Rei Ayanami, right? Uh, obviously, a big Japanese cultural thing is using last names as your primary means of calling people's names, unless you're very familiar with them. So Koru being immediately like, yo, just use my name. It's cool. Um, Misato... Uh, doing her best super spy shit is like, yo, it's weird that Kaworu's data has all been deleted, except for his date of birth, and he was born on the second impact. Weird. Uh, um, uh, also weird, he was sent by the council. Uh, super weird, again, there was never a Marduk report. Um, so, I mean, we know the Marduk Institute doesn't fucking exist anyway. Uh, but talking to Hyuga, who is the operations technician guy with the glasses, uh, he tells her like, oh yeah, I hacked into the computers to find out more stuff. Um, and I happened to find out where Ritsuko is while doing that. Um, and kind of blow past that. Um, and what Misato sets up is like, all right, well, this guy's weird, but we should start doing sync tests. We need another pilot. Um, and what we see is Koru is great at syncing with a with uh, Ava's instantly the best weird. Um, and in <laughs> fact, like the best without changing the core. So that means it's still unit two. It's still the same like quote unquote core in unit two. The same soul presumably is in so unit two. It's the two. same mom. It's the same mom. Yeah. Um, and it's not his mom. It's not his mom. Weird. Weird. Um, no, but it's just the same mom. It is the same mom. Yeah, exactly. Um, the technician's like, this must, the, the stuff must be broken. This can't be real. I mean, so I was like, no, like it's real. We just need to figure out how to explain it. Um, we get a good scene of Kawaru meeting Ray at the top of the escalator. 
uh, and again, talking some shit. He's like, Lil. we're built the same way, by the way. Uh, we both come to assume the body type of the Lillin who live here on this planet. <laughs> yep. live here. I thought these yep. kids were being observed. I thought they were being, I thought there were some security systems in place, some surveillance. Where'd the cameras go, Gendo? You know these kids with their. Well, he was clearly watching because in the next cut, (laughs) he is in the next cut. You're totally right. Um, In the next cut, he's saying he made contact with Ray. It's true. He he, I think he knows exactly what the fuck is up, and there's a scenario for this also. Right. Um, (laughs) Plan X X. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Misato's like, where is Shinji? I'm home. I'm 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 such a bad guardian. Uh, and the, the answer for why he hasn't come home yet is because he is hanging out with his new friend, question mark. In the shower. In the showers. Uh, he's actually, the, there's a great moment of just like Shinji is waiting outside. Shinji's doing that thing that I bet we've all done at some point in our teenage or college years of like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to casually hang out where someone I want to talk to. Will, like I know they always hang out in the cafe after after math, so <laughs> I'll just be at the cafe. Oh, whoops, I can't believe we just bumped oh, into each other shit. here. Oh, wow, that's weird. cool. cool. Uh, and Koru immediately is like, you're out here waiting for me, aren't you? And Shinji is like, oh, no, I just... Uh. Anyway, um, we should shower, <laughs> and then I have to go home. And Koru's like, oh, can I shower with you? And like, Shinji's like... Um, and Koru's like, so we can keep connecting. And like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, okay. Um, and so they take this big bath. They're in like a big bathing house style bath, like gigantic bath. Um, that has like toxic waste containers in yeah, it. Yeah, in the and has a, and has computer monitors. Yeah, like, what what's, does it have? Like, what's I happening? They, like, the, you're gonna wreck those. Yeah, <laughs> the humidity would be. You would think. Ner- ner- I have been. A problem. I have yeah. been to two Japanese baths cool. in my life uh-huh. in in Japan. None of them had either of those things. <laughs> either of those things. I just um, gotta, you know, I my my sample size is in two different Japanese cities, so I know it's not that's perfect. That's not right. But totally. So toxic waste. This no. is one of the contested scenes from this new translation. In the bath, I'm just gonna read from my notes. Koru begins to analyze Shinji, noting the degree to which he avoids making contact with others. He understands the desire to avoid pain, but it also means uh, he says that Shinji will always feel loneliness if he continues to try to avoid that pain. When, uh, while everyone feels loneliness, humans are fundamentally alone after all, he says. People are able to forget their loneliness, and this lets them go on living. He places a hand on Shinji's, and the camera goes to some chemical barrels. The lights then turn off, and Shinji says that it's time to go to bed. Kawaru jokes and says, oh, with you? Um, and a flustered and blushing Shinji says no as Kawaru stands up uh, and talks about the sensitive and pained human heart. He says that Shinji's heart is as delicate as glass and says to Shinji that you are worthy of my grace. Your grace, says Shinji, and Kawaru responds, I'm saying that I like you. And it goes to commercial. Uh, this is super gay already. <laughs> super gay. Already. Super gay. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference though is, and I'm just going to read the dialogue as it stood originally in the, in the original dub, uh, the original s- subtitles actually also, um, is actually, wait, is this the original? Cause now this looks wrong too. Hmm. 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 Uh, I don't trust this new, this new thing that I'm looking at here. Uh, <laughs> the big takeaways are that 
Uh, here it is. Sorry, I just really want to get this right. Um, I see. Uh, uh, da, da, da. Mm. I just really want to get this right because <laughs> because getting it wrong is the thing that happened here. Oh um, no! Do you know? Wait, did you not? Had you not heard about this? All right, I'm going to no. read what's here and then change the one thing I know is true. So. This is the Ava Geeks breakdown here. Okay. Um, I see. Humans constantly feel pain in their hearts because the heart is so sensitive to pain. Uh, humans also feel that to live is to suffer. You're so delicate, like glass, especially your heart. Me? Yes, you have my sympathy for it. Sympathy? It means I love you. And so one of like the big... Um, controversies when the Netflix dub hit was this shift uh, one to this idea of being worthy from grace or worthy of his grace which lifts it to this sort of religious uh, or moves it over to a, a sort of religious frame is, was the argument and then also the move from love which feels unambiguous to like which mm -hmm. feels which felt to the critics is like erasing the queer reading of this scene I don't think there's anything you can fucking do to make this less gay. Like yeah. I, it is these yeah. this is Shinji feeling romantic affection. Um and it is Koru playing in that space. I think we're going to have a much larger conversation about what it means that the only explicitly gay relationship on screen in the show is also a manipulation of Shinji's desire. Um but I fully get why people are upset about the move away from I love you here. Um, the yeah. argument that the the uh, defenders of that make uh, is that the the Japanese word used is suki, which is a which is a different uh, yes, yeah, ski, which is um, more ambiguous is what the argument says that it is not purely love. It is not this kind of deep romantic love for which there is another word. Um, but I think there's a strong counter argument, which is like we teenagers do say they love each other in our world or in America specifically in, in the West. And so what the translator does here is uses translate as like because he claims he wants to avoid um, the sort of like clarity, not the clarity, but the the um, if if the Japanese word for deep romantic affection was used in the original he would have used love but that's not what the word was it was this thing that that yes japanese teenagers will use to say that they love each other in re in relationships but it is not the sort of adult like deep seated super love um and i think that that's probably a mistake uh i think that like the it's the almost importance like of of this relationship can't be understated for on the fandom it's almost like the yeah. the weird like hedging. Uh, oh, they like you, like you. Yes, stuff yes, that yes, people yes. do. Like that's right. kind of the closest uh, like reference I can think of to something that we say in in in, in English. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it even gets weirder once you get to that late the the scene at the end because there's a bit where where Shinji says, "Kuaru said I love uh, said he loved me," but in the current. Uh, the new the new translation it's it's Koru said that I was worthy of his grace. Mm -hmm. This is him talking to Misato later, 
And like, again, in the old dub, it was, it's the first time anyone said they loved me versus it's the first time anyone's ever said that they liked me ever. And it's like, for me, enough of this relationship is so fucking clear that I still see the heart of the relationship there on the screen yeah. between these two characters, the way they're animated, the way the, especially the way the performers bring out the affection between the two. Um, but I also understand where that reaction comes from. Danielle. I would say just reacting to this in real time, cause I had no idea yeah, about yeah, the yeah. different translation um, that I read like is much more flirtatious. Like love. When you say, I love you to somebody, mm-hmm just in my own brain, that's like a deep romantic thing or a deep family thing or whatever. It's like a deep, deep connection. Yeah, it's very, very loaded. But like, especially the way he says it with that that smile, with that, like just something about the intonation is more flirtatious. It's more sexual. It's more, I like you. It's more playful in a way that is given what this character actually is. Mm -hmm. I read this as more of a seduction than a, like deep rooted, like they've only known each other a day, right? So this yeah. feels to me much more like a seduction than a confession of love that's been like, you know, rooted in a long friendship or relationship or sexual relationship. But what is interesting to me and somewhat weirder to me is the sort of difference between grace and sympathy. Yeah. That feels extremely different to me as well. Uh, like, Grace is like giving away something angelic and religious. Oh, yeah. Like Like God's grace, right? Like, yeah. Maybe. I mean, mean, again, I'm just reacting to this kind of in real time. Uh, But that feels almost like instead of sympathy and love, which could be read, that almost feels more family ish to me. This is like grace and, and, and flirtatious liking, which is very, very different. Like that, the characteristics of both of those terms to me feel pretty different but i don't know how it i definitely cool. think they're different i i think given the circumstances and given the delivery I, I i tweeted about this which is like yes i think that there is a degree of erasure happening here especially given what we know about sure. the translator which we've spoken about before um yeah i yeah, also yeah. think that if someone i liked or thought was attractive or was flirting with was like you're worthy of my grace <laughs> i'd be like oh fuck <laughs> Uh, it's just that's a top. That's what a top uh, says. That's what a top says. That's all. <laughs> Shit. That's what a top says. Um, there's there is like a obviously this is like the 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 angelic. Uh, there is a and there is an angelic layer here in the same way that I think you could do the Freudian stuff where it's like ah yes like blending different types of affection and love. I think there is supposed to be a blending here between Koru as. Yeah. As angel and as boy, uh, as, as like queer boy, um, the stuff that gets messier for me ends up being what follows, which is the question of whether or not this affection is real, um, which again is a hotly debated thing. Uh, we mm. we'll just keep moving here. Um, you know, we get a big lore dump. Patrick, you weren't happy with this lore dump. You don't like that the. <laughs> That Sele reveals that Nerve is the executive organ of Sele, but that to carry out the scenario that they designed uh, or built to do that, but then Gendo took it over and bent it to their ends, and then that they wanted to take the Nerve, nerve and Ava's back from him. No, that's still still not. The, it's you know, there's lore and then there's bureaucratic lore. Gotcha. You know, there's like multiple, <laughs> yeah, multiple layers. How do no, you, okay? Uh, count, uh, what about? 
what'd you think about Gendo's hand? Yeah, I was about to. Say. Oh yeah, God, didn't, didn't like that. <laughs> He's like, I mean, the I final angel it. will be here soon, it. and then we just. I, what I've written here is, we see his fucking hand, which has the atom embryo embedded in it. What the fuck is up with your hand, my guy? Um, he should. Yeah, I wrote yo. I wrote yo his hand. <laughs> yo his hand uh, in all caps. <laughs> Yeah. Just like in your in your note on the first episode of That's a Man's Hand. That's right? a man's hand. That's a You're hand. Right. That's a hand. That's, yeah. Shinji looking at his hands, <laughs> opening my, and closing his hands. The, the, my prophecies yeah, yeah, you know, have come true. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Pat, Patrick Damas. That doesn't work. Um, Shinji is staying over. <laughs> kind of did. Sort of. Staying over with, with. Wait, did you say what Gendo was saying there? I No, he says that time is running out and the spear. Of, he says something weird, He addresses right? Yui. Yeah. He, he does. Uh, yes, he does. He's he looks up at Unit One. And he's like, Ah, yeah, our wishes will be fulfilled soon. <laughs> soon, Yui. Yui, Yui, ultimate wife guy, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Just out here on Twitter, posing with pictures of of Unit One. <laughs> oh. My wife saved Tokyo Three today. Uh, she so did. proud. <laughs> he's just so proud. Yeah. She's uh, worthy of my grace. Women can do anything, and my wife can do anything plus one. Um, I'm the luckiest man in the world <laughs> to have unit a one, and also, and also unit zero, and also <laughs> Ray, surrounded by wives. Um, unit zero is obviously a little t- anyway. Uh, Ray is having an existential crisis in her own room in her less sparse apartment. Misato uh, is sending Pen Pen away for his safety. Oh. Pen Pen, get out of here. Go to a safe place, bud. Um, and then she cries. I love his um, squawk yes, and his cry. Me too. Yeah. Um, Shinji, though, Shinji is staying over with, in, in Koru's super tiny room that I guess Nerve gave him, yeah. um, sleeping on the floor next, sleep to his, close. next to his bed, but it's shot from above, so their kind of height difference is flattened, so it looks like they're sleeping next to each other. Um, I guess also it could be a, a low bed. It could just be a futon on the floor, so maybe they yeah. are actually pretty close. Mm. Um, we get a little bit of detail in this conversation about what Shinji's life was like before the show started. Uh, he used used to live with a, a teacher. Yeah. Things were calm and uneventful. Um, they talk about Shinji feeling indifferent towards people, about him hating his father. Um, we talk about uh, uh, Shinji is like, I don't know why I'm opening up to you. And um, he turns to look at Kawaru, but Kawaru's already looking at him and says, I was thinking that I was born just so I could meet you, which, Ugh. again, very gay. Also, you're Extremely. not a human. You're an angel. <laughs> Please, Shinji, I'm begging you. Mm-hmm. Please read any context clue. Um, we learn in the next scene that that Koru, in fact, uh, we know he'd been sent by Sele. What we didn't expect, maybe, was that he was still talking to them directly. Uh, in fact, he is having like a video conference with them. Over the this empty is where it's all lake. becoming way too much. Okay, well, tell me why it's too much, Rob. <laughs> this is where it's too much. <laughs> this is what? Yeah, is it the Pandora yeah, box because, stuff? Is it the what is it? <laughs> because they are starting. Like honestly, all of this is also starting to feel really compressed in a oh, way the yeah. early episodes were not. Like this is all starting to feel like okay. So you had twenty episodes to get it to this point. Unfortunately, you really needed to have like another 50 episodes after that, but we're only doing the one season. So how are we going to wrap this up? Because like all of this, 
So here's Kaoru um, or Kaoru hanging out. Yeah, I should apologize and really quick because already, I never know if it's ka- if it's Kaoru or Kawaru because the wo and the o have an interesting weird. Anyway, continue. Sorry, but I wanted to say yeah. apologies if I'm getting that wrong. Right. Um I like already it's where did this guy come from it has been kind of hinted at as kind of a mystery, but then he has this pre-existing relationship with like Zela that is like he is clearly an instrument in their hands in some ways or uh the the two sides are using each other to achieve their own ends but all of this is referring into like deep lore stuff about this entire series and at this point like i think zayla's been kept is enough of a black box in this story that you could tell me anything about this organization and I would believe it. So Mm -hmm. I think to Patrick's complaints, there's been sort of like this bureaucratic mystery of, uh, you know, of, uh, Evangelion. And then at the same time, the way they've kind of tried to resolve that is, Oh, and there's this other organization, Zayla that, has magic powers and it's weird and cryptic and everyone goes and talks to these obelisks. By the way, the obelisks can appear to this one character anywhere at any time. Uh huh. And he's this <laughs> otherworldly being who comes from nowhere that they basically have on contract to fuck up Nerve. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is really convenient. Like yeah. it's just awfully convenient at this moment in time. This is exact. This is how it's playing out. Gee. Uh, yeah. You, and like almost as if it were written that way in some sort of scenario. Uh, almost right, but their whole reference of there's a man who's cracking up with the Pandora's box <laughs> before, and it's yeah. now we're introducing metaphors to this entire thing. To what degree? I, mean, I think actually, I think this is an issue, maybe with this episode, is that even a line like "You are worthy of my grace" because of the way that mm-hmm. this show is blending literalism and then metaphor. There's a lot of things in this episode in particular that I begin to find mm. confusing because I'm like. So wait, do you mean like <laughs> in the way we say you're cracking open Pandora's box? Or, or is this actually is there like, a Pandora? Is there a yeah, box? Yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of the frustrating thing I have with this entire episode is it all feels really compressed. It all feels kind of poorly set up and mm-hmm. poorly laid out because at this point the show is leaning on kind of its hand wa- hand wavy metaphors to skip over a whole bunch of things that I like that previously I would have had time to sort of map out and figure out what's going on. It is. So a couple things. One, the show is running out of budget at this point. It's coming in hot. Um, It is the episodes begin after episode 16. We, like I said before, things take a turn uh, partially because uh, of Ava digging into um, kind of questions around psychoanalysis and depression and mental health. Um, but also because the budget starts to run out and they start to deliver episodes apparently like a day before they were due. Like when I say due, I mean like the air date, like, like, ah, here it is. Here it is. It's done. It's done. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of this stuff probably could have used a second pass a third pass, a fifth pass. Um, (laughs) the important notes from this scene real quick, Zayla is pissed at Gendo because, they think Gendo, the metaphor, the Pandora's box metaphor is, hey, uh, he's trying to open up Pandora's box and then close it before hope can appear. Um, 
Whereas they believe everyone is hope. Everyone, right? Well, everyone has their own unique hope. So the distinction there, which is sort of important, and we'll see more of that in the future. Stuff that is straight up capital L lore that, that Koru delivers. We, humans slash Lilin, are usurper successors. We are descendants from Lilith and arose from the black moon. The angels, in contrast, are true successors from the now-lost white moon. Their, their progenitor is Adam. Adam's soul is in Koru, and the angels in general, I think. But Adam's flesh is in Gendo, the embryo that we saw. Mm -hmm. So, Zaleb puts their wish in Koru, presumably so that they can get rid of Gendo. Um, so, there are Lilin. There are Lilin, which are humans, mm -hmm. and there are angels, which are the descendants of Adam. So mm -hmm. humans are the descendants of Lilith. Uh, in Jewish mythology, Lilith is Adam's first wife. Is this a thing we know? So in Jewish mythology, so you know in the book of Genesis, mm -hmm. it opens, and it's like mm -hmm. there, for over six days, God made a bunch of shit. And the last thing he makes is men and women. And then it's like, also, here's how men, here's how people started. Uh, he made a person and then he took the rib from that guy and was like, there's a woman. Those are inconsistent uh, stories. And so in Jewish folklore, and, and also at this point in some Christian folklore and a lot of Abrahamic folklore, there is there are ways in which those stories end up being uh, rehabilitated and, and made to compromise or made to, to work to each other. And Lilith is one of the things that's born out of that. Uh, Lilith is a is a, a figure who is often referred to as Adam's first wife. Um, the premise there is one of the ways the story gets told is God makes the world, he makes men and women, and one of those, one of the, the first woman is Lilith who marries Adam, and then there's a falling out. And Lilith goes on her way and eventually becomes a succubus who has wings and sleeps with men yep. while they sleep. Uh, Lilith is a figure who has, and also Lilith Fair is right based on that. Well, so I was to say is Lilith as a as a as a folklore <laughs> character has been has been kind of reclaimed by a lot of feminist and queer movements, queer women movements, yeah. uh, as being like a woman who fucking was like, uh, actually, I don't want to be chained to this fucko. I want to go explore <laughs> the world and be my own person. Um, and so that is what humans are in this war in in Anno's uh, mythology are tied to this this this. To the name Lilith, at least. Um, uh, we'll get more into deep lore shit as the episodes continue. Um, oh, good. Uh, we learn that Misato is watching all this shit happen um, and is continuing to like meet with, with Hyuga and try to figure out the big picture stuff. Um, she finds Ritsuko. Ritsuko explains to her, like, oh, yeah, that new kid based on all this shit. Yeah, that's, that's probably the final angel, actually, given, <laughs> given the final messenger. Um uh, and in that moment, Koru takes action uh, and does this cool thing where he steps from the bridge in front of Unit 2 and begins to float upwards, waking up Unit 2, uh, and Ode to Joy starts to play. Um, it activates without there being an entry plug in it, uh, without there being a dummy plug in it. Yes? Just like the bullshit he says. Yes, please. Come, Adam's alter ego and Lilith's loyal servant. Like, he's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I watched this with uh, with okay, Vicky last night. Yeah, right. And she was just like, "What the fuck?" Like half asleep. Like mm -hmm. we just trained for like three hours at jujitsu. We're watching this, and she's just watching it like wide eyed, slack jaw, just like, "What? What the fuck?" And I was just like, "I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah, there is. A, You're in there it is now. The, yeah, there is the, the tone of it actually like 
like I had like we're getting to the moment where things are being revealed, and I feel like this is a moment where I'm supposed to be like, whoa. Yeah. And instead, like something about the way the character speaks is portrayed, the little context we've been given, the rapid fire, like loreness, like convenient, there's a machina of of what's occurring, like took me out of it in a way that like it feels like it's supposed to be similar to the revelation of like, you know. Uh, you know the the ultimate sync with Shinji and you know the revealing that these are are actual mm-hmm. creatures, beasts, humans, and it just falls like really flat for me. Where like I was having a similar response to what Danielle was describing. I was just like, okay, yeah. okay, <laughs> okay. Like again, like I joke about Sephiroth, but it's also just like he's coming across as like a, a bullshit villain or whatever. You know, the, the ultimate context puts him in in a way that I don't know. I I found. Hard to get into the moment in a moment that I felt like was supposed to be really important. I I think that there is. So you, do you, have y- y'all seen the um the kind of comic, the Wow Cool Robot Gundam co- comic? It's a picture of of uh. It's a time. It's just like a quick thing. Um uh, a quick little one panel thing of a Gundam shooting. Um uh, kind of an arc, uh, and then. The the arc the the laser blast says says war is bad and then there's a picture of a person looking at the Gundam who says wow cool robot the yeah uh, okay. the the Ava version the shot of that arcs over their head yeah, yeah yeah the shot is arcing over their head it's the they've they've missed the message the Ava version of that is is uh, wow cool religious symbolism and then the uh, arcing blast I think says like people are sad or like depression is real or something similar to that yeah. and I think that that Aww. is actually the truth of the show at this point which is like where where it is working it is when it is getting messy and about feelings and about depression and about anxiety and all of the like religious symbolism and lore is wallpaper to some degree here I mean I Yes, you could dive into that stuff. Yes, you could start to unpack stuff and start to draw lines about – again, you could af- absolutely start to do some sort of analysis on the fact that humans are presented as the offspring of Lilith instead of Adam and a, a, a kind of a corrupt species or a compromised species, a sinful species, blah, 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 blah. And you get a little bit more of this stuff. You, you get more of this stuff over the, the remainder of what the show is. But I I, I think that at, at its heart, the show is – mostly concerned with individuals and characters and their interiority and their trauma and their misery at this point, when that stuff lines up well and kind of connects to that trauma, it works. And the stuff that works for me in this episode is primarily about Shinji's interiority and Shinji's trying to struggle with his affection uh, more than any of the religious or lore, like iconography stuff. Um, uh, it works best when, like, you get to name a thing Central Dogma. That's really when it's the best. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Central Dogma, uh, Unit 2 is floating down towards it. They go into lockdown, um, and Fuyutsuki explains what's happened. Yep, Sayla sent an angel directly to it. They're trying to skip a step, says Gendo, uh, by using Nerf. They, they are uh, they're trying to skip a step towards whatever their goal is. Um, and... Uh, there's some more talking about how they need Unit 1, but they don't need Angels, they don't need Avas, etc., etc. Shinji is deployed um, to go confront him. Shinji is struggling to accept the idea that Koru is an angel, saying that it must be a lie. Misato tells him to launch and that it is not a lie. And Ko- and Koru does the sonic tap his foot thing of just like, where is Shinji? I, I'm, <laughs> I'm being impatient now. Um, Shinji finally 
accepts that it's true, and he shouts about how Koru betrayed him and manipulated his feelings and took advantage of his trust. Um, and at this point, Shinji has gone from doubting that he is an angel to furious. Um, and I think that there is a degree here to which I've seen the same the same sentiment echoed by queer fans, where it's like, all right, you have you finally have Shinji working through his issues with with like normative masculinity, finding someone who supports him, finding a source of of validation, finding something that looks like flirting at least and romantic affection. Uh, even with Kaworu seeming to be something pure and good in his life. And then actually it's really just someone manipulating him. It's really just like, there's no actual true love here. And I think I share some of that here. Um, I get why Kaworu is such a powerful figure. And I, and I think that it's a little more complex than just um, queerness being used. Like it's not queer baiting. I don't think, a thing that's worth noting here, and Rob, this is a thing that I... Did you look this up at all? No. Do you know who Kuoru is based on? No. Uh, he is based on... Uh, 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 Kunihiku Ikuhara, the creative lead on Utena. Okay. The Kuoru-Shinji relationship is apparently based on the relationship between Ano and uh, Ikuhara, uh, their closeness, and a lot of his mannerisms are based on Ikuhara's mannerisms and, like, the way he, he is, like, the way he holds himself, the way he I speaks. need English language, like, deep dive on their relationship and, like, creative influence on each other uh-huh. at this time. Because, mm. like, it feels like my understanding of both these series is missing to that question of, like, how things are produced. I'm like I feel like I am missing a context totally um, for how they sort of inspired and challenged and frustrated each other because like there have been enough things in this series that like remind me of Utena um, in sometimes ways that flatter the series but often make me think that Utena is just a more successful like creative work in terms of its arc despite yeah. its limitations. Uh, but no, I think the the thing that frustrates me again and again with this episode is. Um, to that point about it being rushed, this I, I feel like a lot of the problems that this feels like a mediocre episode that ends up carrying a tremendous amount of weight hmm. because it has a queer text, but it has a queer text in a in in a in a, an episode that's pretty badly compromised. Yeah, um, and like. This the this entire thing falls flat for me because it reminds me of you know how like in before shows really started going full serialization in sort of like the eighties and nineties like uh, police procedural or cop show or like hospital you would drama have, whatever yeah yeah and in the course of a single episode you would introduce a new character this also happened on sitcoms right like yeah. on a very special episode of and you'd introduce a new character who stands in for an entire issue yep. right or mm-hmm. is just meant to set up like there's some real stakes here and so it'd be like a love interest for the detective or something yeah 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 and there would be an entire arc around this uh, that was supposed to be really intense, and then it was supposed to add some dramatic stakes to the story, and it's going to have like a meaningful payoff. But the problem was, in, in the structure of these TV shows, a lot of times by the next week, it would be forgotten. 
mm-hmm. right? Like that care. It was like that character stopped existing because you still had to make the show work for people who didn't record, like who missed last week's episode. You couldn't have uh, these heavily, heavily serialized stories. And uh, Koru feels like a character in that vein. In some ways, they have rushed ahead to uh, Shinji finally is having this like emotional connection. Somebody he can, somebody he can, or not somebody who can, somebody who is willing to breach the boundaries that Shinji has set up. We just had an episode where once again he can't cross the barrier to go comfort Asuka. Uh, here we have a character who will not respect those limits and will like impose a sort of physical and emotional intimacy on Shinji that he desperately wants, that he reciprocates. Mm -hmm. And that's all got to happen within about like 10 minutes of screen time. Uh (laughs) And then my guys got to do the angel walk (laughs) to unit two and then float it down the tunnel to central dogma. Mm -hmm. And then Shinji's got to be like, damn, I've been betrayed. How could you do this to me? And it just feels really forced because none of this was given time to mature, right? None of this was given time to breathe. And so this entire notion that it's just, it doesn't land with much weight that Shinji is furious and angry at the way he's been manipulated at the, the way to which the angels have gone from being like abstract antagonists to being antagonists that directly try to get inside his, his and his friends minds and like try to mess with them in a way that they didn't previously. All of that's, they're trying to communicate that in such a compressed time frame, Yeah. And it just ends up feeling so hollow here in a way that, Imagine like a five episode arc around yeah. Koru Imagine sort of integrating into the team. The Toji, mm-hmm. a Toji length arc, right? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. So uh, mm-hmm. this happens in the manga. The Ava manga runs for a year. It, I think it starts before the show does yep. and doesn't wrap up until the mid or late 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, and Koru gets a much longer arc. Um, there they kiss. Shinji and Koru kiss in the manga. Like there is like a completely different degree of of uh, time expenditure. Really building that stuff out, and uh, I haven't read it, but I, people, uh, a lot of people I know like it. So uh, I'll get to it. Did Ano also write that? No, it's written by somebody else who was on the same team. I want to say, um, okay. I'm sure built off okay. of similar docs and stuff like that. Um, sure, but yeah. Uh, they have a, they have a, uh, an encounter here as they're floating down towards terminal dogma or central dogma or whatever. Um, they end up like fight like wrestling unit one and unit and unit two like holding holding hands and like trying to like push again pull against each other. Um, uh, uh, Koru says establishing grips. just starts expositing. Yeah, exactly. Human humanity should be abomination. Or sorry, um, a- Ava should be abominations in the eyes of mankind, since they, like the angels, are born from Adam, unlike humans born of Lilith. And yet, to survive, you're you're willing to use them, etc., etc., etc. Which who this is Metal God? Gear territory, it's, it, uh, where it's, it's like, uh huh. Someone uh, time to just philosophize. Someone, someone I saw specifically saying that they were really happy that Patrick started to hate these episodes because he previously hated Metal Gear Solid Two, and that these are the same thing. That this degree of philo- philosophizing, yeah, is- yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah, like I, yeah, my like my like the Metal Gear series, which like can be reduced to like a general sort of like, 
but is mostly like more specifically like love one, love three, like didn't like to loathe four because it's just way more of that bullshit. And then five, like I was able to distance, yeah, like there's yeah, enough yeah. going on there in the gameplay. I could like remove myself uh, from I it. I want to replay five um, real yes, bad. No, right they now. are 100% right. They're like, this is absolutely some Metal Gear Solid 2 slash 4 bullshit, and I get why some people are there for it, but it, I, that, the the present, the, the sheer presentation turns me off in a way that I just find myself the, then, like, emotionally disconnecting from what could otherwise, even if it's rushed, even if it's not the five episodes, yeah. like, the, the actual, the literal, like, presenting of it is done so in a manner that I find just, like, utterly disengaging. I wonder if the reason I like Metal Gear Solid 2 more than I like... So, I think both both it and Ava were things I was going through in the same period time period. Mm-hmm. I ended up loving that makes sense. MGS2 and feeling like I still like it a lot. And I feel like it makes sense in my mind. And I can talk to you about how, like, the Raiden learned how to be a soldier by playing Metal Gear Solid 1 via the VR missions and how it's all uh-huh. about him in, in learning how to individuate and become a different person because he tries to do the stuff that Snake does. But every time he tries to do that, even if you, the player, succeed, he fails and blah, 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 blah. And I could like, I, I love it. I really, I love Metal Gear Solid 2. Whereas Ava, I come to after playing Metal Gear Solid 2 and I, I still have a, a deep fondness for it. It's what I said on Twitter a month ago now, which is like, it's like my hometown, which is to say that going back to it is like complicated and like, yeah, mm-hmm. before we go, let me just tell you about some weird people we're going to meet and like some stuff that's a little uncomfortable, but like it's still, I can't just walk away from it because I was, I was born there, I was raised there, etc. Um, I also think that's true for me in Final Fantasy VI and Final Fantasy VII. If I hadn't played Final, if I'd played Final <laughs> Fantasy VII first, maybe I would, I would have that would still be the, the <laughs> dominant one in my brain. Anyway. The point is that Kawaru calls this the sacred realm, which is impervious to others, the light of the heart. I don't fucking know. There's a lot of expo- ex- expositing, like you said, uh, lots well, of exposition that's here. That's what the AT field is. Sorry, the AT field, right, is actually an emanation of the heart, of the light of the heart. It's not like technology. Yeah. It's an app. But is it actually exposition if it makes no fucking sense? I think that's that like there is thematic stuff here, here that if we sat with it, we could pick it apart. But that doesn't mean that it's effective in a TV show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like, yeah. Y- yes. Is it? It is saying something very specific that the AT fields, and AT stands for absolute terror, are really the emanation of the human heart. The fear of the other, the literal shield that protects you from physical harm is actually just a psychological shield that prevents you from other things from touching you. Like, y- yeah. Mm. But I, for me, it that also- is more effective for us to just come to that realization by knowing that they're called absolute terror fields and doing the analysis of the work more than having a character who knows all of this just descend and start saying that shit to me. I'd, I'd so much rather have us be the people doing that read. It's it's interesting giving what the next two episodes are, actually. Yeah. It to, feels sure. like Fuck. they had some things they wanted to make sure were said yes. in a way. And yeah, um, uh, I hate Koro. Okay. This whole <laughs> <How> <laughs> you call them AT fields here. Yeah, yeah I, just, we, I yeah. just got back from my semester among the angels, <laughs> and you know what they call them over there? Uh-huh. Uh huh. They call it's them the sacred, the sacred space. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh-huh. totally. Um, Some royale with cheese. <laughs> Uh, Misato is like, yo, uh, Hyuga, if things go bad, just self-destruct this whole facility. If third impact is about to happen, you just cannot let, you cannot do that. Um, thanks for all your 
hot scloosies. Thanks for all the scoops. And he's like, I don't mind dying if it's with you, Misato. <laughs> Here, here's Aww. a mixtape. The Smiths are on it six times. Um <laughs> There is more. And Gendo stays quiet here. He does. Uh, right? Like, Gendo is, like, conspicuously, like. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's like, hmm. What you think is going to happen isn't going to happen. <laughs> I wrote down, shoot your shot, I guess. I guess. I guess, <laughs> like homie. Before the end of the shoot goddamn Shoot your shot, world. I guess. Uh, um, Koaru continues to wax philosophical here. Uh, but uh, a massive AT field blocks the Avas off from the control uh, system. And... We see Unit 1 falling into, like, a strange cosmic environment. Um, Koru floats towards the Terminal Dogma door, which unlocks, and then a second AT field appears. People think it's another angel, but it isn't. Or, well, it's Ray. Ray is looking down from above as Koru regards the crucified figure of the Terminal Dogma, to which he says, Adam, the mother of my kind. I wonder if angels reuniting with Adam is even necessary. Uh, if it means the death of all Lilith and humans. And then he's like, wait a second, that's not Adam, that's Lilith. And again, this is supposed to be a big shoe drop, but I, uh, Rob is yawning. <laughs> yawning in such a way no, that I'm makes it- going, whoa? Oh, I thought you were like baby birding. You were like, I need this lore, I need this lore worm. <laughs> um, no, I am like a baby bird. I needed this delivered more effectively. Fair. Yeah. Uh, unit one bursts into the room and knocks unit two over into the sea of LCL and then reaches out and grabs the floating body of Koru, who thanks Shinji for interfering. He says he wanted to be stopped, um, though Shinji can't comprehend why he was doing any of this to begin with, nor can the viewer, probably, unless you sit with this nope. and begin to... Yeah. Uh-huh. And I get, like, the thing I want to underscore here is there is a huge... As a storyteller, there is a gap between I'm telling a story that can be sat with and picked over, and I can start to draw some lines with a group and like, and one in which the medium is being used effectively to communicate core ideas. <clears throat> I think the former works really well with things like AT field with things like, like big picture ideas about the, 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 the way humans interact. But I think when the show wants to communicate and wants to deliver gut punches and fails to, because it isn't clear, I think that that's a, it detracts from the show. It doesn't add to it by some sense of ambiguity or mystery. There is ambiguity and mystery in the show that does, does that stuff well. It's done it well in the past, but here I just don't think it's it's landing particularly well. Um, yeah. uh, Koru says that it is his fate that the the uh, the reason that he can live on. Uh, sorry, is I remember who is the he here in my note? Um, oh, Shinji. He's right. saying. Well, I think he's saying. My fate was to do all of this stuff. My reason to live for all oh, these okay, years yeah. was to do what I just did. But dying from here would be just as valuable to me. Uh, and that the choice to die is the choice of absolute freedom. The one thing that no one can take away from you. Um, I'm and, laughing, actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is fine. Um, yep. Uh, and he demands that Shinji kill him as if. He does. If he doesn't, humanity will be the one that goes extinct. That humanity, but humanity shouldn't die. He says, um, "You and your kind need a future." Thank you, Shinji. I'm so happy I could meet you. And then it's like a 30 second shot of Unit Two holding Quaru. It's a minute. Is it a full minute? It's like a full ass minute. I believe it holds it. Holds him in his hand as the choir rises. We cut to black and we hear a gross sound as it squeezes, and we see Quaru's head fall into the LCL, and then cut to unit one being cleaned off and then Shinji and Misada looking out to the sea. Um, 
And this is the second set of, this is the second conversation that changes meaningfully. Koru said I was worthy of his grace. That's the first time someone told me that they liked me. He was just like me, just like Ayanami too. I liked him. If only one of us had to survive, then it should have been him. He was a much nicer person than me by a long shot. Koru should have been the one who survived. No, Shinji, only those who have the will to live can survive. He craved death. He cast aside the will to live and attached himself to a false hope. Shinji, you are not at fault. That's cold, Miss Misato. I like this ending sequence with them looking out over this stuff because it's characters who we know talking about whether or not they should be sad. And that is so much more relatable <laughs> than being monologued at by my floating boyfriend. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. which but also, also Misato still doesn't even sound like novel. Misato in that. No, no. I think she's like she's starting to speak in lore dumps. She's starting uh, to speak. Well, in, here's what here's what Koru meant, and yeah, it's like yeah, you yeah. didn't know him, but also that's not how you comfort Shinji. No, but like, I also last I don't episode mind her. was I want to touch your hand. Yeah, this episode is suddenly like you know really he was just craving death, and you shouldn't feel bad because on the grand like I don't know to to me yeah. there's there's a more human response there that the moment maybe called for. Except that she can't offer it because then it it undercuts the idea that Koru is the one person who's given her that, given Shinji that, right? If he can turn to someone else mm. who understands him, then it doesn't make sense that he was that Koru was effective to begin with, because the whole point of Koru is he's the one person who could actually connect to Shinji in that way, which I think speaks to the fact that there's been inconsistent characterization for Misato throughout the show in which mm. moments there are plenty of moments where it seems like Misato and Shinji are connecting but here in the final act we've the, the showrunners have decided actually uh it's super important that Shinji can't connect to anybody because that's the story we're telling now even though <laughs> episode five or three or whatever is literally about these two characters coming to a, a connection or a, a real connection um and that is the episode again in the in the original translation it was uh, him saying that that uh, Koru loved him um, and that no one had ever said that they loved him before. Um, and that is Evangelion episode 24. Um, an episode that I like... I, I have a saying that I say every now and then, which is that for those of us on the margins, we often are forced or sometimes, unfortunately, I think, eager to turn scraps into feasts um, in, in, a, in a desire for representation. We need to see ourselves, we need to see ourselves in mainstream works because we are bombarded by mainstream media constantly. And so we need to find some representation somewhere or else we'll fucking starve. And I don't hold that against anyone and I do it myself. Like plenty of times where I'm like, I think especially growing up where I'm like, okay, I need this, I need to see myself in the world. And so I'm going to take any small special episode about race or special episode about queerness or special episode about poverty and be like, all right, cool, I'm here. Um, But as I think I get older and as I, specifically as I find that thanks to things like being able to find art made by actual queer folks on the internet, uh, which I guess I shouldn't say actual because I have no idea how Anno 
uh, how you know if Anna was is straight or not. Um, but but it specifically, but there's people who can contribute that stuff yes out very as themselves clearly. and at living their truth right and exactly. then saying here's my art right and I can access that stuff now I can do it sometimes it takes more legwork it almost always takes more legwork because it turns out that creators in the margins don't have access to like big media corporations the way that that uh, most you know more more normative creators do more more uh, creators who are making stuff in the more hegemonic mold um, but like it this is a this is a relationship that meant a lot to me when I first saw it when I first saw it it was like oh shit uh-oh okay huh all right I have to start reckoning with the fact that I'm bi and I don't know how to do that yet because especially in uh, in black America like queer men are not given a lot of leeway not that not that like any parts of of the world are easy for queer folks of any kind but there's a very specific sort of homophobia in black communities and like I didn't know how to deal with that and so it was very cool especially in college where I was like okay I'm opening my mind's eye to the world and also now to myself to have this be here and the fandom you know there is a huge queer fandom that loves these characters revisiting it as a 33 year old a 34 year old uh, as of as of Today? What's today? The 25th? That's my birthday. Wait, what? Uh, this comes out on my birthday. Well, today's the 23rd. No. Today's the 23rd. This episode comes out in two days, guys. Happy birthday. This day, this day comes out on the 25th. Okay. Um, uh, I Happy will, birthday. Yeah, it's complicated. I don't, please, I don't even want to get into this. My birthday is not like a super positive day for reasons deeply tied to things like the mental health shit in Evangelion and, uh, and yeah. personal losses in my life. Um, but as I turn 34, I have, I am someone who now has access to work that does speak to me about my identity. Um, that does speak to me as a black bi man with, with depression and anxiety. Um, and that I don't need to take every, every instance of representation and hold it so close to me that I can't be critical of it. I said at the beginning of our, of this run of episodes, not this episode, the run of the waypoints episodes that I've reached a point in my life where I don't need to. It's important for me to not think about works that I don't like as 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 uh, uh, um, apocalyptic. That like I can just not like a thing, and that's okay. It isn't the end of the world. And I think that's super important for me now, revisiting the Koru stuff because at the time it meant so much to me. And if I didn't realize, if I hadn't made that step to realizing, like there's other stuff out there for me, I don't need to hold this thing too close to me. I think I would be very defensive of it. I think I would wind up. Being someone who was like, no, this needs to be good because the only the only two things on the table are it's good and it's me or it's bad and terrible and I have to spit on it. And I, I, I instead I can hold it in my heart as this like very messy thing that meant a lot to me when I was a younger person, when I was like a 20-year-old boy and now can be like – and from there I went on to like see work that I could actually see myself in that wasn't just a quick scene or two. However genuinely queer I think those scenes are, now I can see stuff that's a lot more holistic in the world. And that that is a positive thing. So that is my ramble on core. Yeah, I started – no, no, it's, it's Go extremely good. And I, it, it's brought up a few uh, – your specific thoughts here have, have brought up several things for me. I mean I started as a writer, as a professional writer at a queer site Yeah, 13 years ago in 2006, like five minutes after I've, I finished college basically – and I was a, a, a movie critic for uh, basically a very like 
lesbian oriented uh bisexual women and lesbian oriented site and it was scraps all the way yeah. it was tiny movies that were made with a five dollar budget uh that basically were kind of all you had that in like a 10 second scene maybe in a bad rom-com like there was one character who was kind of by maybe uh and they looked at somebody a certain way and like i i would review the movie because this is lesbian representation, representation like here, here it is yep we've got it we've got representation here in 2006 in this movie and it's been wild to me how things have both changed in this time in in some in major some ways. ways in terms yeah. of media representation well just in terms of mainstream media uh it's there is more. I wouldn't call it necessarily better or all good in every possible it's way. But often very somewhat spe- more specific sorts of queerness are represented, right? It's it's uh-huh. very white and yep. rich. Yep. <laughs> yep. White yep, picket fence. Sure. Like there is a degree of like, how do we amalgamate? How do we assimilate queerness into a very particular acceptable mode? Yeah. Extremely. And we could we could talk about like the Ellen uh, DeGeneres, her show for like 10 and a half hours. I did a master's thesis on it. Like I made my thesis film and like Will and Grace and Ellen, like from 1997 were huge parts right. of like the thesis that I actually ended up writing. Right. And it has to do a lot with that sort of assimil- assimilation. I will say personally watching this just as a 35 year old and having no experience with it, I still enjoyed these scenes. I mm-hmm. still enjoyed what there was to enjoy here. I don't think it was the best presented episode. I completely agree with Rob's assessment that this is like five episodes compressed into one and they didn't even take necessarily the best parts of those five episodes (laughs) that they should have written um, by any means. But I did, (sighs) there is a lot for me and maybe I'm just giving a lot of the benefit of the doubt here it to Ava in general. Um, I think it completely fucks up on women, like in a lot of ways. And I think it does fuck up on queerness here, but it doesn't completely fuck up on both of those things. And I am willing, I am willing at this point, even 24 episodes in to go along for the ride and see what else happens. Like I am, I am fully like my heart is open. Ah, I see. Yeah. To the Ava <laughs> Your delicate uh, and what it's heart. going to do to me. I'm not going to necessarily be 100% in it and yep. I'm not going to go through uncritically, but I appreciated on some level, I appreciated the queerness in this episode and I appreciated at the very least um, what it was saying about intimacy uh, in terms of Shinji and, and Shinji's own sexuality, which has been complicated. It has been yep. interesting. He's absolutely interested in women for sure. We've seen that. Uh, And it seems like he's also certainly interested in men. And there's a part of me that is really wishes that's what we could focus on. You know, like, could we focus on the ways in which Shinji becoming, um, you know, becoming a man, like the man he's going to be in the world and what it means for him to possibly be by? Like, what does that actually look like? Like, how much of sexuality is performative in this show in general and how much of it is like a genuine expression of affection and a genuine expression of excitement and desire? Like, there's so much here that I super wish was was actually expanded upon. Given the space. With with the little crumbs we have, um, I, (sighs) I, I want to note that there... There was enough here for me to be interested and to enjoy it on some level, that there is like some queer content here that is, if nothing else, somewhat interesting and not just a a pretty crappy, just a stereotype or just, you know, something completely face value. Yeah, I'm with you. 
we have on paper one more week. <laughs> These next two episodes are very different. Um, I'm very eager for people to see them. Has anyone watched the next time ons yet? No, right? Okay. Not yet. Um, I am very eager for y'all to see these next two episodes. I am very interested in what you'll think about End of Ava. Uh, What's up with the next time on? You can just see it. You can just see what the next episodes look like. No. Yeah, you can. That's not what I saw. Yeah, you, yeah, you do. No, look at this shit. Hold on. This might, I might have to, hold on. I'm Don't worry this. about it. Just cut. Just, <laughs> yeah, cut. Let's, let's wrap up and show me after. Yeah, 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 Um, The, what was I going to say here? So yeah. So next time on Waypoints, we will be doing episodes 25, 26 and end of Ava, the, the, the movie. Um, any guesses, any thought, any predictions? I can't. I got spoiled, but Netflix immediately brings up the next episode, and if you hover your mouse the wrong way, it just it puts the descriptions, and those <laughs> descriptions are extremely specific about what happens in those episodes. Uh-huh. So I, I'm I'm out of the I'm out of the race. Okay. I'm just gonna guess. The only woman thus far that hasn't really been like had some pretty horrible treatment. Well, she's had horrible treatment, but not by the show necessarily. I'm worried about Masato. I'm worried. Sure. I am worried. Fair. I'm just worried. Mm-hmm. Rob? Well, I think we're due for a Masato heel turn. I mean, like, I've been saying from the start that, like, you know, she's a sympathetic character. She's a likable character, but also she got a job to do. Uh-huh. And she's got a mission. So I am curious to see. And But, this, but here's the problem, though. I no longer know what that mission is. I don't know what's happening anymore. Like... I'm very confused yeah, about what fair. the stakes Maybe Yui are. takes over her body. I yeah, I think I think we're about we're we're about due for um, like Ray to just full on mutiny. That's that's kind of what I'm predicting. That would be is pretty like, good. It's 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 time for Ray to turn on her creators. Um, yeah. two quick notes. One, uh, the the. This is going backwards, but it's two funny things I just remembered. One is, you know how Fly Me to the Moon is missing in in yeah. the Netflix thing? Of course, the hook of Fly Me to the Moon, the chorus, ends with, in other words, I love you, mm-hmm. which I think is evidence that Kaworu <laughs> said, in other words, I love you. Uh, two, the Spanish uh, dub for it is the equivalent of, apparently, I think you're cool. <laughs> Wait, it's what? like it's like of the Spanish wow. the new Spanish translation. Do you have it up? I uh, I will pull it up for you. I want to read it. Uh, apparently that is the 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 translation. Yeah, I, I will ask you. I will ask you <laughs> what it is. Um, but apparently very very like bro centric. Very like cool dude. You're such a cool dude, Shinji. <laughs> wow. Uh huh. Yeah. Are you a cool enough dude to save the world? Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be as good as that would be very good. Um all right. Thank you all. Oh, it is it is uh Mi Mi Kayas Bien. 
Me caes bien. Yeah, what's, what's that? <laughs> That's, uh, if you think about the word, the phrase, someone rubs me wrong, think of that same sort of uh, amount of uh, emotion behind it, but flip it to a positive. Uh-huh. Me, that's what me caes bien means. Like, you're cool. Like, yeah, you're, you're He's nice. All right. He's you're, all right. Yeah, you're that's all right. He's all, all right, dude. It's all right, guys. It's all right. Chuck on the chin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so quite different energy. It's what you're telling me. Yeah. Very. God, very good. Well, on that note, we'll be back next week to hopefully wrap up Evangelion. And if not, then we'll just see. We'll see how long this thing runs for. Thank you so much for joining us. As as always, thank you to to Mello for making our unique custom track for this this set of waypoints you can find out more about two mellow you find find his music at two mellow makes m-e-l-l-o and the number uh two two mellow makes.bandcamp.com or at mellow makes on twitter you can follow everything we do waypoint.vice.com twitter.com slash waypoint follow me at austin underscore walker kato at a underscore kato underscore appears patrick at patrick Klubik. danielle at danielle ri rob zachney at Rob Zachney. There it is. As always, especially as we go into these final, final episodes. Rob, what is it that we must not, cannot, should not do? Do not give in to astonishment. Peace. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you want to do three seconds? Yes. Rob, did you clap? No, I was having some tea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fine. He was honest. Uh, yeah. Honesty. I appreciate it. Do Honesty. Again. Let's do another one at 30 Could seconds. use more of that in this show. Plenty of time to get to for 30. 30? Yeah. Okay. That's two days in a row we've done the inverted time that is. Yeah. The 12 and then 21. Today it was 03 and 3 oh, up. And 30. Wow. Neat. Get excited. Gotta, that gotta get excited about something. What's uh, what? How many? It, it doesn't matter. What? Don't worry about it. There's a thing that I've written here, but it doesn't. It's not a thing I'm going to read out loud, so it doesn't matter. Okay.